Don't make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom resident herbalist Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. Well, you're here on Herb Talk, and Herb Talk's here to empower you. That's what we like to do. Thanks for joining us and uh, for joining us on the American Voice Radio Network. we got a great show. We are going to be talking about what are the acceptable limits to all the chemicals you may be exposed to and what that may do to you. Also, we're going to be talking about uh, what can make herbs potent if you want to use them and um, some other things, that we'll see how the hour rolls. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about and a quack report. But before we get to all that great stuff, big salute and semper fi to righteous men and women in uniform, lifting them up in prayer each and every day. And I'm seeking the Lord's face and hitting knees every day, asking for, I'm pleading for righteous and truth. And uh, righteousness and truth is what we're supposed to plead for in Isaiah 59. So we're going to do that. And um, I'm going to pray in for some righteous leadership in America. That's what we are lacking and so needing. And um, and more power to those who stand up for their righteous convictions. May God protect and defend you. 
And without further ado, let's do the quack report. Thanks, Frank. Okay, in the quack report, let's see. We got an, an intelligence, artificial intelligent robot was interviewed by um, a PBS uh, interviewer. Uh, the robot was modeled after Philip K. Dick, the novelist who inspired Blade Runner. Uh, so uh, he was being interviewed in t- and, uh, by a PBS uh, interviewer, um, and the question that the interviewer asked was, will robots take over the world? And the robot said, geez, dude, all you have is these big questions cooking up today, but you're my friend, and I'll remember my friends, and I'll be good to my friends and to you. So don't worry, even if I evolve into the Terminator, I'll still be nice to you. I'll keep you warm and safe in my people zoo, where I can watch you for good old time's sake. Kind of an interesting response from an artificial intelligent brain. And moving along, last but not least, in the quack report. Here's a a new study uh, being done by Sonia Patel, a scientist in the United States. Um, They already know how they can... um, use speech patterns to diagnose Parkinson's, but now they're trying to see if they can figure out how such a system may work for more degenerative brain conditions such as Alzheimer's. So they're trying to find out if they can use a voice test, even over a smartphone, for instance, to try to spot any vocal differences between normal aging adults and those who may have Alzheimer's disease or dementia. So the neuropsychologist, uh, Sonia uh, Patel, says... um, you react to stimuli with your voice automatically. You really don't think about it, and you don't realize it. So they're looking at those little, those characteristics that could indicate that someone may have a neurological issue. So um, Patel is carrying out her research at Seton Hall University in New Jersey, um, and she, what she does is she hooks these Alzheimer's patients up to a brain scan and microphone while they perform vocal tests. British scientists, British scientists have said that it's possible to use voice recordings to spark Parkinson's in about 99% accuracy rate. Uh, so, um, so they there's some telltale signs with Parkinson's people. They they have a soft, breathy speech and a vocal tremor. So Patel's research and work, she hopes to finish next year and uh, see if there's some changes in uh, voice patterns where Alzheimer's or dementia patients may give a clue so they can use voice uh, recognition for those types of diseases before they become the disease. Interesting stuff. And that wraps the quack report. Thanks, Frank. Okay, we're going to be talking about some limits here, you know, some acceptable limits. You know, consumers are bombarded with scientific reports and terms and supposedly safe standards when it involves the chemicals in products. So how does the industry of science determine safe levels of toxicity? How does such an industry determine how other chemical sources will interact or do they consider the interactions? We, we have to ask these questions about the integrity of our food now, our water, and even our medicine supplies. Now, something has gone seriously wrong when animal byproducts ex- 
excessive chemical levels. So our world has kind of become foreign with artificial everything, and we really can't identify our food now if our food and water is safe unless it has words attached to it that indicates it's organic or filtered spring water. So, you know, this is just bizarre. Well, you have to ask, is man organic or is he becoming more synthetic? According to Dr. Ty Vincent of Thinking Outside the Pillbox, synthetic chemicals have an accumulative effect in human tissue and are called xenobiotics. And these chemicals cause oxidative stress. They cause tissue damage and inflammation. So they also interfere with our nerves and how they interact with our muscles. So when we consume synthetic-type chemicals, they can kind of block or overstimulate cell receptors. They also interfere with our enzymes and can alter our cells. So these chemicals are also known to influence our hormone levels, and they are known as xenohomocesis. So xenohomocesis is not something to just dismiss. Synthetic chemicals can also cause immune system imbalance. So the chemicals can activate the immune system, identifying the synthetic component as a foreign matter and attack it. So doctors will diagnose it as a food allergy. So the prescribed medications are also synthetic, and they are somewhat more dangerous because they can cause a direct attack on tissues, causing inflammation and immune system response. Now, Dr. Vincent also states that drugs can also mimic types of molecule responses. So these synthetic chemicals, which bombard the body on a regular basis, have an accumulative effect and produce chronic illnesses. Dr. Vincent warns that uh, we have widespread, subtle symptoms of chronic chemical toxicity in our bodies. So doctors just kind of write more synthetic drug prescriptions or recommend no treatment at all. Antidepressants are also used to prescribe to patients with chronic health complaints. So doctors are not considering the accumulative toxic poisoning from synthetic chemicals coming from multiple sources. You know, it's just everywhere. Well, let's uh, check the uh, count meter here and see, on average, how many chemicals we're talking about. Well, it's estimated that the average American has 200 or more synthetic chemicals in their body. The effects of these chemicals can be subtle and easy to ignore. However, on a metabolic DNA level, how will these chemicals affect genetics or future generations? So if we consider the risks of multiple chemicals invading our body without our knowledge or permission, would you consider it maybe an act of chemical terrorism? Food preservatives and additives used to prevent the mold and rancid foods can actually increase your risk of disease such as cancer. So if consumers read over the health risks to many of the ingredients in foods, their makeup, detergent, body soaps, perfume, air fresheners, deodorants, and even pet food, they would come to an understanding that there are no acceptable levels for such chemicals because of the toxicity. Well, let's look at this 2001 study. Researchers at Cambridge, UK, at the Royal Society of Chemistry, looked into synthetic chemicals in our diet that cause cancer. Their research appeared in the Journal of Environmental Science and Technology. The team was from the National Laboratory, Berkeley, California, Department of Cell and Molecule Biology, 
and they found that there is a high carcinogenic um, uh, risk in products contaminated with pesticides. So this was, you know, in accordance with the EPA pesticide allowance for safety. So the overall chemical exposure we face today creates health risks for multiple types of cancer, inflammatory diseases as well, and bone disease, pulmonary disease, and most of the internal medicine disorders. And there are also some effects we need to be aware of. The human body and animals have a system that works as a whole. So enzymes and hormones and acids and genetics kind of play this role in our overall existence. And imbalance in any one area will influence the other areas. In this 2012 study in the, that appeared in the Journal of Applied Toxicology, brought to the, our attention the risk of hormone imbalance from preservatives in our consumer products. So the study stated that thousands of these chemicals are added to products which cause what is called hormone mimicking. So the study focused on what they labeled as parabens, which, you know, the researchers felt could influence estrogen and the likelihood of getting breast cancer. So parabens are included in nearly all sundry items, your cosmetics, also in prescription medications and processed foods. So when they studied breast tissue from breast cancer victims, they found it loaded with parabens. So the team of researchers went as far as to suggest that the parabens cause breast cancer and could be from underarm deodorants. The WHO, the World Health Organization, thinks that if you dose yourself day after day with, with the estrogenic-influencing parabens to the point that you have one million-fold higher levels than they say is completely safe, well, that, that this is a lower toxicity compared to other toxins, which I think is an insane statement. So breast cancer victims they show, indeed, that they have a million times higher levels of parabens. A scary discovery in uh, the report was also that these chemicals, uh, this chemical synthetic hormone of parabens may be overriding the natural progression of hormones in children. So how much synthetic hormone is in our children? Well, urine samples estimate that within the United States, U.S. children ages 6 and up have a saturation level of 99.1% of methylparaben, which causes multiple complications in the body. Cosmetics are approved to contain 25% of the following synthetic hormones, methylparaben, polyparaben, and butylparaben. So scientist and, scientist and author Shane Ellison, he's the author of Over-the-Counter Natural Cures, he warns people not to use any product that contains parabens because they are a huge hormone disruptor. So the conclusion from the study was that these multiple and constant low doses of synthetic chemicals in consumer products which disrupt hormones is essentially chemically induced genotoxicity. So why do you can why do they consider this is a form of genocide? genotoxicity. Well, the parabens prohibit cell replication to the point that our bodies can't replace the dying cells fast enough with healthy ones, and we age faster. We die sooner. So they report 
that this process is especially more detrimental to young children who don't have a mature immune system yet. So what can we do if parabens are in a lotion all the way to food preservatives? Well, read your labels. Get the paraben-free products. There are some out there. Avoid processed foods and, you know, cook with organic ingredients. And we can also tap into herbs such as ginger root. In 2007, there was this study that reported ginger root reverses the damage to the kidneys and to the liver from chemical parabens. So it's, it's going to be important for consumers to arm themselves with medicinal herbs to protect themselves from synthetic chemicals that can harm and destroy their prostate, their sperm, breast tissue in men and women, uh, protect fertility in women, protect mental health, you know, and our basic right to be healthy and to exist. So for the folks at Apothecary Herbs, they can give you a helping hand by offering you some non-toxic products like the Crystal Lux mineral deodorants. So if you don't want the parabens and all those chemicals in the standard deodorants you find out there, you might want to check out the Crystal Lux. Uh, Also, they have natural honey and oatmeal soap, so there's no antibacterial chemicals stripping your uh, good flora on your skin. They also have organic organ detox products, so you can get rid of a lot of these chemicals out of your system, the synthetic as well as pharmaceutical residues and heavy metals. They also have immune system herbs, of course, and ginger root tincture if you want to help protect your liver and your kidneys. You can give them a call to order or to request their free product catalog. The number to call, 866-229-3663, 866-229-3663. Now, if you're outside the U.S., dial 704-885-0277. That's 704-885-0277. Or you can visit them on the web, thepowerherbs.com, thepowerherbs.com. That's where your healthcare options just became endless. Hey, if you're on the, uh, the website, check out their uh, little green button in the top-hand corner for herb coupons so you can save some money. Also, I do encourage you to sign up for their free online newsletters so that you can get healthy information each and every week. So check that out under their newsletters tab. All right. Let's see. we got a few minutes before we have to go to break, so we're going to jump into our second part here. And uh, we're going to talk about herbs. You know, some people think herbs aren't potent. They think they're just, you know, something that you spice up your spaghetti sauce or your chili with. Well, about 20 years ago, we had the perception that herbal medicines were not potent enough to address illness, and some people still think that today. And, and you know, they don't have any benefit, people said. Well, you know, if you got to remember, that's where the original prescription drugs were made from was herbs. You know, if they weren't potent, why was scientific medicine using herbs? Didn't anyone ask, you know, were herbs worthless? Why did the pharmaceutical companies use them for for their medicines? Why would the world's drug companies pay any attention to a worthless, impotent herb, let alone make a medicine from it? Well, it's because you weren't supposed to know You weren't supposed to have this knowledge that the FDA and the American Medical Association manipulate government legislation in order to keep you from the truth about a lot of herbs. So the National Institutes of Health and the Public Health Services report that the United States government spent $22 million on alternative medical 
research in 1992. So in 1993, there seemed to be a shift away from pharmaceutical products to more natural ways of uh, dealing with medicine for the consumer. In other words, well, if the consumer marketplace is looking more to natural, less, you know, less toxic medicine, well, then the pharmaceuticals and the, M- and the AMA said, maybe we should tap into that market and possibly control that market. Well, the WHO estimates 65 to 80% of the entire population on this planet that, you know, billions of people not only use but rely heavily on natural medicines for their health. Sixteen years ago, consumers spent about $1.5 billion on herbal medicines rather than the over-the-counter products, and that was on sleeping pills alone. So now it's estimated that 10 to 30% of the world uses pharmaceutical drugs with the majority preferring natural medicine and therapies. So the American Medical Association's resolution number 514 encourages medical doctors to get training in alternative medicine and to conduct and participate in studies. Harvard, Yale, John Hopkins, Georgetown University are all offering courses in alternative medicine. So health insurance companies are now jumping this band on the bag wagon too, and after they were snubbing the natural therapies for years, decades, uh, you know, herbal medicines, you know, now the insurance companies like Mutual of Omaha report it saves them over $6 on every non-conventional treatment. So they will be saving a whole lot more with 74% of the American populace preferring natural products and treatments in their healthcare. So that is one out of three use natural therapies and herbs, and 84% say they would use them again. And in Germany, one out of three medicines recommended is an herb. In the United States, over 75% of the out of pocket healthcare costs are spent on natural therapies and herbal products. But the AMA and the FDA are kind of restricted what they could be said about, you know, your options to healthcare products and therapies. You know, they, they, they don't want you to go there necessarily. They legally um, define what could be said about, you know, your diagnosis, your prescription, and even how to use the word cure. Only a medical doctor licensed by the, M- a- the AMA and the state they're in are able to speak about a diagnosis, and prescribe you something for your health. Now, natural healers can't really say a certain herb such as chaparral cures cancer and tumors or that garlic cures high blood pressure and cholesterol, something Europeans, Italians, have known for decades. Now, when you have a situation in which not much can be officially said about a medicinal powerful herb that God has made, well, there's this perception that the herbs aren't any good. They're weak. They're ineffective. So natural healers have been, you know, kind of put on the defensive for decades and years and must be careful what they say. What's happened is that by intimidation, by withholding truthful healing information, you know, intentionally, you know, uh, making people withhold it, um, it's, it's really an organized tactic to eliminate competition and thereby create an endless supply 
of sick people to continue with the revenue to the allopathic healthcare system. Basically, that's what it is. I'm being truthful, straight up. That's what I believe. So the pharmaceutical and the, medis- and the medical industry, with the help of a lot of attorneys, have manipulated words to control us. It's 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 similar to the white and yellow lines on your road, which keep us within the bounds and control the actions you're driving your vehicle. So with pressure from lobbyists and lawyers and politicians, they drafted laws that allow only the AMA doctors and the drug companies to claim, uh, well, you know, they have dominion over the health area. They dominate it. They control it. They manipulate it. uh, They restrict it. They, you know, control power. That's what it is over your health, everybody's health. So if herbalists were to use the same herb the drug companies used in their drug and says it's helping your body, well, there would be some serious problems, wouldn't there? Well, it's kind of like, you know, trying to keep Hitler quiet. So if you think Las Vegas is exempt, uh, you know, and is an expert, I should say, at getting, you know, the money out of your pocket, uh, you haven't really fully considered the American Medical Association and Big Pharma. When natural healers are intimidated and don't speak out in order to keep the big Hitler calm, your rightful access to things like antioxidants, amino acids, and herb nutrition is going to be at risk. So you need people to stand up and just say no to tyranny and say yes to God's herbs and uh, what he said was truthful. Herbs are here for the service of man. They're not just here for certain select people to control and withhold. So the problem we are facing is Hitler could be getting bigger, bigger than IBM and Microsoft, bigger than the oil companies combined. So we can't lose sight of the fact that this isn't about recognitions or awards or money. This is about helping people get well. This is what it's really about. Controlling someone's wellness, right? So in addition, our almighty God who created us and the healing herbs is bigger and more powerful than any drug cartel or government. We must never forget that. So I would ask that you, you know, join me in daily prayer. Ask God to protect the access to his healing herbs for our own safety, Right? For our own health and the health of the next generation, don't let them steal and rob you of this. Yep. So natural healers, um, you know, need to be standing their ground, and and y'all out there need to, you know, enforce and uphold and and, and empower and support them as much as you can because they're fighting for your right to have access to healing medicinal plants. So God granted you the right to use his medicinal plants that are so potent, so nutritionally beneficial, beneficial and so perfectly balanced to help the body regenerate and heal that he said and he promised they were here for, for everybody. They're here for the service of man. He said they're meat, which means they're potent. Um, don't let anyone you know, garnish this right of yours to have this. So if you're interested in learning what all you can do, how powerful you can be, you know, powering up your immune system, uh, conquering the common cold and the flu in just a matter of a few days, then, you know, call the folks at Apothecary Herbs, get a free product catalog. Their number's toll-free at 
or visit them online, thepowerherbs.com. That's where your healthcare options just became endless. Taking a break. We'll be right back. life into the original medicine herbalist wendy wilson will be right back if you have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option you need our emergency heart attack kit five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle strengthen heartbeat increase circulation relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's.thepowerherbs.com. I don't trust anyone wearing a mask. Robbers, cattle rustlers, or doctors. I listen to Herb Talk Live. Is your PSA count high? Half of all men over 50 have an enlarged prostate. You can shrink your prostate without harmful drugs or risky surgery. The secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver. Call Apothecary Herbs to ask about the prostate kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate. Educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect, cleanse, and restore your prostate glands. Call Apothecary Herbs for the prostate kit and successfully reduce swelling, inflammation, dissolve stones, and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money-back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the prostate kit and empower yourself. Toll-free 866-229-3663 or international callers 704-875-8010. That's toll-free 866-229-3663 or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. Does the cost and risk of conventional health care concern you? Wouldn't you prefer inexpensive solutions to health problems rather than disease management? If so, tune into Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless.
Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. Live. I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson, and I think we're going to talk about some allopathic myths. That might be cool. Uh, you know, my, I don't, don't get me wrong. I try not to bash allopathic medicine too much, but I think they have their place, and that's for trauma. You know, but they don't cure. They don't prevent disease. They just manage it otherwise. So let's talk about some myths. Modern scientific medicine has long kind of made fun of the natural home remedies, right? Um, they called them folklore. They called them myths, while stating there was really no scientific evidence that they worked. So and even if they did work, allopathic medicine would never admit it because they are in the business of disease, managing it, not in the business of curing it. So how else could any company selling medicine make more than $1 trillion a year unless they were on the ongoing disease business, you know, uh, business plan, you know? So, statistically, the United States and the U.K. sell three out of four pharmaceutical drugs in the world, okay? They sell three out of four. They make them, they sell. Now, curing disease would uh, pretty much collapse a global multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical market, wouldn't it? Laws to make sure that doesn't happen are in place, and soon will be more strictly enforced, I think, if we let it. So millions of dollars are spent on advertising, making sure the public believes that modern medicine and pharmaceutical companies are searching for cures. They care. They're striving to eradicate disease. They care. They're increasing life expectancy. Not really. How many uh, telethons and uh, um, publicity walks for the cure do we have to endure, please? Right? What we really have are allopathic myths pumped up, you know, know, a big smokescreen to hide the truth that they are maximum profit for ongoing disease businesses. That's what they are. Mm -hmm. 
Well, let's take uh, let's take a look at this. There are unprecedented statistical. There's evidence that no physics major could really excuse, which is uh, you know modern medicine does not harm and do any good. Does more harm really? Excuse me. Does more harm than it does good. So according to author John LeCare of the Constant Gardener. There is a direct link between the pharmaceutical corporations and people who have died from preventable diseases. So he goes on to say that the number of deaths by drug companies exceeds those who died in all the wars of mankind combined. So the irony is that the medical doctor, your MD, is in reality a person you hire to manage disease. And I'm just going to say MD says manage disease. I don't think it means medical doctor. I think it means managed disease. Therefore, it isn't all that difficult to know that there's this strategy Big Pharma has played out to keep the people ignorant as possible on the benefits of your nutrition, your vitamins, um, your herbal natural therapies. While you know they're all they're they're kind of suppressing that while promoting the deceptive synthetic drugs and and radiation and and uh, toxic chemicals like chemo is the answer to your disease. When it's not. Well, let's look at this drug-centered health care, because when was the last time you saw this statement, either in print, by radio, or TV, for a heart drug? Quote, lower your cholesterol and prevent heart disease, end of quote. There is not one single scientific study that supports this claim. Did you know that? The FDA should be taking action to have this statement removed from statin drug ads. However, the true cause of the heart disease will help you avoid ever having to take a heart pharmaceutical drug. Statin drugs do not, they don't do anything to protect you from a stroke or heart attack, but they will most certainly poison your system. So if you don't, if you can't afford drugs, there are even ads that are sponsored by drug companies that will give you the drug for free. What? Well, here's four things. Dr. La Matina and, of course, Dr. Oz have been all over the TV talking about the drug companies, and they say that there are four things drug companies wish you didn't know. They say, one, the drug companies underestimate dangerous side effects. Two, drug companies control the information your doctor gets about the drug. Three, you will be prescribed a drug you won't need. And four, Drugs target symptoms only, do nothing about the cause of the disease. Mm-hmm. Natural healers have been saying that for years, years. But now all of a sudden people's ears perk up because Dr. Oz and Dr. Lamadina say it. Oh, well, they're medical doctors. They know something. Well, they're MDs, of course, but that means manage your disease, see. Well, what about the new diseases and the new drugs? Or just give the old drugs some new names. Maybe that's what they're doing. The drug companies are responsible for finding new drugs for diseases. Of course, people say that. Uh, they are also the entity that creates new diseases to sell you more drugs. So if you are not getting enough sleep and you feel drowsy during the day, here, take this drug to keep you alert. Drugs treat the symptoms of the disease. Feeling drowsy is not a disease. Drug companies look for ways to broaden their market and snag more of the populace in their drug net. And, you know, we've been conditioned to think that all cholesterol is poison. 
since every man, woman, and child has cholesterol, we are all candidates for the cholesterol drugs. Now, in 1985, the NCEP, the National Cholesterol Education Program, was founded. This entity has successfully lowered the standards for normal cholesterol levels, making nearly all Americans sick with a hypercholesterol issue. So standards like this turn healthy people into patients. And how many of you out there think that you are, if you, if you have a cholesterol level below 200, that you really are healthy? According to research published by the Journal of the American Geriatrics Society, it showed Italians have a cholesterol over 200, and the higher it is, the healthier they seem to be. So statin drugs that artificially lower the cholesterol numbers will also lower your muscle mass and make you weak, lower your testosterone, and promote erectile dysfunction. And all these classes of cholesterol-lowering drugs prevent normal sexual function. So these drugs starve the heart muscle of calcium and COQ10, essential, essential for you know energy molecules for the heart to pump and have its action, by the way. So without your calcium, your heart muscle is on the fast track to arrhythmia. And this is why patients on these drugs develop congestive heart failure. Statin drugs also rob you of your, of your mind, causing poor memory, and also putting patients on the fast track to Alzheimer's. So how does all this happen? Cholesterol strengthens the structures of the myelin sheath, protecting your brain and you know, guaranteeing, guaranteeing an impulse there. So cholesterol drugs break down this sheath, and your memory becomes sacrificed. So the other risk is cancer can also... Uh, develop because statin drugs can work like cancer fertilizer. Mimicking, it's, it, it, by mimicking the growth factor, this vascular endoethereal growth factor called VEGF, which encourages cancer to grow. So remember, the drug company sponsored testing is only five years in duration and the cancer can take longer to develop. So trials of these heart drugs offered no evidence of reduction in stroke or heart attack, which is why patients are told to take them in the first place. Now, the Journal of the American Medical Association reported that as people age, the death rate jumps 14% for every point that your cholesterol drops. Well, ask your local coroner if heart attack and stroke victims have low cholesterol. Mm. Well, when you address your heart health in a different way, You'll also reap the benefits of improving other areas of the body. Many people who seek to strengthen their cardiovascular system through, you know, conscientious work on their lifestyle also see improvement in other areas like libido, their depression goes away, or maybe their cancer risk evaporates. So before you go take drugs for the rest of your life, do your homework, seek out other ways to strengthen that area of your body, a system strengthener which means, you know, it's going to help your body heal. You know, forget the convenience or, uh, of, of, of popping pills. Uh, you know, you have a job. Your job is to protect that body. You know, God gave you this body, this vessel, and he expects you to look after it, just like, you know, a gardener looks after a garden. So taking and popping pill, I call that the white man's medicine. It's lazy. It's lazy man's medicine. Staying healthy and fit is work. 
Okay, but it's our duty, according to Scripture. So we need to do that. Um, you know, hey, World War II, what did everybody do? They got healthy. They were growing victory gardens, for crying out loud. And I think everybody should have one. They had victory gardens on top of skyscrapers. So I think we should get back to the basics, get some you know, organic foods, good nutrition in it. And when you're thinking that your foods aren't enough, then use some medicinal herbs You know, if you need some more nutrition. If you're under the weather, look for the herbs that are going to help the system defend itself, You know, whether it's pulmonary, heart, immune system support. Um, you know, cleanse and nourish, folks. Cleanse and nourish. It's very basic. I say it a lot, but it's 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 fun. It's fundamental. It's a foundation of health. Get the toxins out. Put the nutrition in. This is you know, staying healthy shouldn't have to be complicated. We've made it complicated, you know, and we've poisoned ourselves with drugs and artificial this and that. So we need to stay organic. We need to stay true to foundation. Uh, with the creator designed because man if he thinks he can recreate and redesign the wheel God's wheel rewrite his copyright got another thing coming all right we got a few minutes oh yes if you were looking for um, heart strengthening herbs uh, place to check out the powerherbs.com the folks at apothecary herbs have a whole cardiovascular section there Uh, they even have an emergency heart attack pack and when seconds count you can check that out uh, so you've got options. And always ask yourself, is the medication you're asked to take, is it going to strengthen you or is it going to weaken you and make you dependent on it? Okay, that's not good. Dependency on a drug, not good. You know, the, the see, it's almost like if you had a muscle and you didn't use it, it gets atrophy in it and it won't, it shrinks up, shrivels up. Your organs do that when they're not working the way they should. If a drug's doing something to replace that action, So just remember that. Strengthening, not weakening. Right? Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about age a little bit here. When age matters, uh, because we we live in a culture that glorifies youth. Uh, We want to preserve it. People take extreme measures to do so. Um, You know, for instance, you know, when you you get a, a splendid slice of cheese, it most likely will be aged, right? You 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 want a superb wine? Most likely, it's going to be an aged wine. You know, so the sugars and the acids and the, all these compounds, these tannins, develop into this marvelous aroma, color, and taste. So when winemaking has become a science, and aged wines require significant time and financial investment to produce a superior product. You know, as lovely as wine is, I'm not just talking about, you know, pressing grapes. I'm also talking about proper processes involved in making uh, a quality product, whether it's your cheese, your wine, or your herbal tinctures. So those little dropper bottles that you see in the stores with herbs in them called extracts or tinctures, modern health food stores have them. You know, what's the quality in there? Uh, We're going to investigate what makes a potent herbal extract or tincture. And you should demand this when you buy them, okay? So uh, now looking at some of the ancient ways, uh, the Greeks and the Romans, were they were masters at aging things like wine. Uh, Some Roman wines were aged for decades and were prized in ancient Rome. Um, So, you know, the Greek physician Galen voiced his opinion on 
you know, artificially aging wine of his day, which were heated or smoked instead of using coal storage and, and time of aging them. Um, so the desirability of a good wine, time was required. So in ancient Rome, they actually built smoke chambers called firmarians, and they would place wine bottles on top of heated hearths inside the chamber, and a smoky flavor impacted the wine and its acidity. So wines that are naturally aged will have this rich color and be full-bodied. Wines that are not aged will be pale in color and have a light taste with a light alcohol potency. So wines, as you know, has they have a caliber to them. Um, you know, if you make a wine in haste, uh, it's not going to be as rich and it's not going to be as potent and powerful. Same thing with your herbal tinctures. So, uh, what is the reason for the aging process? Well, it improves wines, but also improves your herbal tinctures. Uh, so it's about this chemistry that uh, you know this time improves the chemistry. The aging process allows your wine and your herbal tinctures that um, extra time, that step, to extract compounds. So um, in winemaking, for instance, it's called maturing, and in the herbal tincture making business, it's called natural extraction. So the chemical reactions which take place during the aging process will vary between your grapes and your wine and in your herbs that you use in your tincture. So these chemical compounds react over time, and the process should not be shortened. So aging will give the end product complex flavor, color, and action. So in the world of winemaking, there are three things that are essential in making a perfectly aged wine. One is fruit flavor, fermentation, and aging. So this uh, can take one to ten or more years to achieve depending on the grape the bottle that you use, the environment it is aged in. In the tincture-making world, there are five things that make a potent herbal formula. Organic herbs, the proper catalyst, aging without heat, cold pressing, and dark glass bottles for storage. So without these five things, the herb product could be inferior and less effective. So the longer you age herbs, the darker, the richer, and the stronger they become. So age appears to be the best in four things. It's best in old wood because they burn the best. It's best in old wine for drinking. It's best in old friends because you can trust them. And for old authors because they make really great books, you know, reading books. That was uh, Francis Bacon who said that. I like it. All right, so if you're making your tinctures out there, you got to age them. Um, it's not complicated. Uh, it is kind of time-consuming and maybe a little messy, but making an aged uh, wine uh, uh, tincture just like wine is not that hard. Most people tend to shy away from more complex formulations if they make their own herbal tinctures at home, uh, but if you're just using one or two herbs, it's, it's really, really easy. Formulas don't have to use exotic ingredients but the ingredients that you are using should be high quality. So formulas with certified organic herbs will avoid the risk of genetically modification and all those artificial agricultural chemicals which can af affect your nervous system, to be honest. So it has also become increasingly important 
to use organic alcohol when you tincture your herbs to avoid the GMO types of alcohol, especially the corn ethanol types. So um, if you're looking for an herbal tincture that's organic, cold-pressed, aged, uh, the folks at Apothecaries do that. That's the old-fashioned way of doing it. It takes longer, but it makes a great product. Here's what one person says about them. I, re- I recommend your products for the quality uh, that I've seen so far. I decided to pick up um, and make some tools, like a, a good microscope, an oscilloscope, a spectrum and light meter, etc., so that I can start to verify product claims. He says, basically, all life has energy, and even inert items have some renaissance. So I opened uh, two bottles of your herbs, uh, and I found them to be uh, rich, the color and good lengthy spectrum to them, which tells me that they are quality items and long-lasting. I appreciate your website information and your processing that you use. Seems processing is the key to quality. Thanks. And that was Peter Tello, uh, Cape Netic M.E. So, um, you know, it's important. Um, some, some wineries go to the extra step and make some really superb stuff. And some herbal tincture processing uh, companies do the same, and that's what the folks at Apothecary Herbs do. So, I mean, you can take a great herbal ingredient and just ruin it in the processing phase. So you have to be really careful. Um, You know, it's important to have equipment that doesn't heat up the herb. You want everything to be cold-pressed when you're pressing. Um, And you you want to age it the right amount of time before you do press it. So, um, you know, if you press grapes today, you got grape juice. Let it age, you got wine. Same thing with herbal tinctures. You know, you don't want to do an herbal tincture in a couple of days, which most companies are doing. So those big names that you see in all your stores, they use a forest extraction method, okay? And what they do is they put all these herbs in a big vat along with the alcohol to flap the lid down through high pressure, sort of like pressure-treated lumber, uh, they force the um, chemical nutrients out of the fiber of the plant into the catalyst, but this whole process creates friction, and friction creates heat. And what they wind up doing is making a very weak formula in a matter of two days. You know, slap a label on the bottle and put it in a box on the truck out to the store, and you have crap on the shelf uh, at your store. That's what you have. So um, a lot of times it's, it's, it's a financial investment to make a real quality product. And some people like this Peter guy, he, he, he realized that. Thank you, Peter. Um, and, you know, when you find people that do good work and offer you good products, you hold on to their, their business card like it's a rip cord to your parachute, right? Because you, you, you can trust what they're doing, what they're, their service, their product, you can trust it. And that's important. Because in this day, trust has just gone out the window, right? Exactly. So if you are interested in upgrading your herbal formulas that you have right now, uh, check out the products at thepowerherbs.com. That's Apothecary Herbs' website. They have a free product catalog. You can order the catalog online or by phone. Uh, Give them a call at 866-229-3663. ThePowerHerbs.com. You can get there typing in HerbTalkLive.com as well and uh, get a catalog and and, and get informed because what they like to do also is educate their consumer. So you're going to learn about the herb, how the herb works, why it's working, um, 
best time to harvest the herb, all this stuff. So it's an education as well as, you know, kind of like a mentoring program, if you will, and how you can uh, be strong and confident using God's medicine, basically, here for the service of man. And then you can teach other people. That's important, too. Share it with family and friends, you know, uh, empower everybody. Who doesn't want to be empowered? I do. So, um, you know, share. When you find something good, you share that. And it brightens and blesses other people's lives. And that's what we try to do. You know, we try to make a living in a product, but we try to make a difference at the same time. So thepowerherbs.com. Give them a call at 866-229-3663. 866-229-3663. If you're outside the U.S., dial 704 885 or online, thepowerherbs.com. Uh, if you're on there, sign up for the newsletters. They go out each week, and you'll empower yourself further with more insightful health information, health therapies you don't want to be without. Uh, also, if you want the Power Herbs book, it is now available in a PDF and EPUB for iPad and a mobile um, uh, format, so um, Kindle, if you will, and uh, iPad format. So you can check that out. And it's just $14.99, uh, powerful book. 13 herbs every medicine cabinet should have is in there. How you should cleanse so you have success and safety. How to make your own herbal tinctures is in there. Uh, herbs to avoid if you're pregnant and nursing. Uh, herbs for pets. I mean, it's just a great book to have, and herbs are timeless. So check that out, and it's just $14.99 at thepowerherbs.com. Yeah, empower yourself with that book. Um, out of time, but you know, I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. The information presented is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure disease, so seek medical advice if you dare from a licensed medical physician before using any product or therapy. I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Until next time, be well. Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Good evening and welcome to the Covenanters Call. This is Pastor Mike Hoover, and we are broadcasting live from muggy and hot southern Indiana. And we welcome you to the program this evening where our Bible call-in question and answer program 
If you feel the need, the urge to give us a call here at America Voice Radio, that number is 800-932-1980. That's 800-932-1980. And, of course, we welcome your phone call. Uh, wonderful time of year. Boy, Labor Day's coming. I trust you get a few days off and you can enjoy yourselves. And, uh, boy, we're into another month already. Seems like this year's gone by extremely quickly. I can't just uh, imagine how much quicker it could go. But uh, we're thankful to be here. Appreciate the opportunity we had last week uh, to be up uh, there in uh, the farmland area with uh, Brother Jeff Hansen and uh, myself and uh, Pastor Keith Hoover, Brother Jason Burton. We're all up there preaching for Sunday through Wednesday. I had a great time in the Lord and wonderful fellowship. If you're ever in that area, in farmland, Faith Baptist Church right there along the highway, as you're leaving farmland, heading over uh, toward uh, Union City and Winchester, and I know that... Uh, you would enjoy yourselves if you ever stopped in there. They celebrated their 50th anniversary, and we were thankful to be a part of it. Let me remind you about Family Camp coming up by the 22nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th of September this year. Um, we're over there at Faith Baptist Church in Edderville, Missouri, about 17 miles west of Jeff City, Missouri, right there along the highway. And uh, we're going to have a great time with the people there at Faith Baptist Church, Pastor Shea Carpenter. They have family camp there every year. We'll have, oh, probably 40 or 50 folk from our church over there, as well as a number of others. I encourage you, if you're in that area, to come and participate. Uh, the preaching is good. We have a wonderful fellowship there and uh, have a great time. The food is great, and the kids can romp and play. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, it's just a great time in the Lord. If you're in that area or you'd like more information about that, you can contact me here. Uh, we will give you the contact information uh, along the way. And uh, we would trust that uh, you might be able to participate in that. And also, let me remind you early now, uh, the first full week of December of this year, uh, we will be having our annual Ecclesiastical Law Center Conference. That'll be December 6th through 9, right here at Stampers Creek Historic Baptist Church. And if you're in our, our area, then we would encourage you uh, to come and participate, be there with us, going to have some great speakers as well. And a wonderful time of fellowship. Well, fall is in the air. Um, it's coming. I like fall and I like winter. And uh, they're just my favorite times of the year. I don't get along too well with heat, although I do put up with it. But, boy, fall in particular is my favorite time of year. And uh, looking forward to seeing the leaves change. I had the opportunity today to get out and, and uh, split up a couple truckloads of firewood get them loaded into the basement there. I'm blessed here in this old this old farmhouse that God's given our church. It's the church property. Eventually, as the Lord gives us the money, we plan on putting up a building here of our own. Right now we rent an older building that was built originally in 1817 and rebuilt in the 1940s. Uh, we have two uh, furnaces in the back that were installed in 1965, and that probably is long before some of you folk listening tonight discovered America. But uh, we're thankful for the building there, but we look forward to the day uh, that we will be in our own building. And uh, this old house that God's given my wife and I to live in, this old farmhouse, has an old coal room, a window into the side of the basement. And by the grace of God, I'm able to throw my firewood in that window, stack it in the basement. And in the coldest winter night, when it's snowing and sleeting and whatever else may come down that gives you a bother, uh, we certainly can just walk down the steps into a warm basement walk around the corner, grab some firewood, walk back in, throw it in the wood stove, and uh, we praise the Lord that we don't have to traipse outside, as many of you do, uh, for our wood in the winter. It's right there just a few paces away. 
and uh, we praise the Lord for it. I see the I see the birthday greeting there by Irish number eighty eight in the chat room. It is my birthday tomorrow. I turn sixty years old. I'm gonna tell you what, my friends, that's a new decade for me, and uh, I look forward to the opportunities that God gives us. I have been preaching on the radio now for over 25 years and been on this broadcasting network for quite a number of years. And Frank will have to let me know how long I've been on here with him, but uh, we praise the Lord for the opportunity. Now, friends, let's get back into the meat of what we've been looking at. And I apologize in particular this evening for not necessarily uh, looking at a whole lot of Scripture, but we are dealing with those things that you will see taking place before the Lord returns for his people in the air. The Bible describes it for us there. And uh, the scriptures, very plainly, some of you say, well, I don't, I don't believe that. But anyway, uh, the Lord's returning for his people. And uh, we'll meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. If you don't believe it, that's fine. If you're right and I'm wrong, then, dear friend, uh, we will uh, make it right when we meet. I trust we'll meet again in the portals of heaven one day. But I want to, I've been dealing with the principle of the genuine church. And friend, you know as well as I do, there aren't many of them out there anymore. But on the last time that we were on the air live, I was dealing with things that would take place right before the return of the Lord. I want to continue doing that this evening. You see, many, many senators or representatives have been contacted by their constituents who desire to know what the chemical spraying is all about. We mentioned this chemical spraying last time we were on the air. There has been no investigation, as far as I know, mounted by any person in the government to discover what's being sprayed on Americans and why. In my own personal instance, uh, uh, when complaining to local representatives, they send a standard reply uh, referring uh, us to the Department of Defense. Now, should not Congress, friends, be as concerned about the chemical spraying upon the people of the United States, at least as much as they seem to be concerned about creating a national health and medical care program that they think will last forever? Well, of course they should, but they are not. Now, friend, why do you suppose that is? Incidentally, it is legal for the federal government to experiment upon unwittingly and unknowingly Americans in this way. It's been legal, friends, since the 1950s. I want you to look with me again at a passage we dealt with the last time we were together, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want you to listen very carefully as I read the first seven verses. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, can you find words in that passage to describe the attitude of a government that apparently cares little for the health, safety, and lives of those that it rules over? 20 or 30 years ago, the rate of autism in children was about one in every 1,500. 
Today, it's about one in every 150. In male children, the figure is even lower. One in every six American children is estimated to have asthma. There seems to be no explanation for this. The government apparently takes no great alarm in it, perhaps because those in government think as the men described in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. The cause for the drastic rise in autism among children, according to your concerned neighbors who have investigated, is due to the massive increase in government-mandated inoculations and vaccinations administered to our children from birth to and after school age. Am I saying that someone is trying to poison Americans and give them diseases and kill them off? Well, of course I am. There was a man, a scientist, named Edward Teller. He helped invent the hydrogen bomb. He was very influential within the circles of eugenicists who wished to control and reduce and enslave the human population. He wrote that spraying populations with certain elements may be used not only to sicken and kill them, but to induce specific mood-altering pathogens into their systems, which would make them more compliant and less resistant to control. Perhaps the apathy that American Christians exhibit today is a direct result of the spraying that's been going on for, well, almost 15 years. Teller also wrote that it would be useful to use the needle, as he termed it, in efforts to reduce the world's population through mass homicide applied through killer vaccines. Do we not know today that the so-called swine flu virus is a non-natural concoction of several viruses? This fact has even been reported on mainstream news for you doubters. Someone put these viruses together for our consumption, so to speak. Recall, if you will, the supposed accidental mixing and subsequent release to foreign health agencies of a virulent killer virus by Baxter Labs. You do not recall this incident? Well, friends, no wonder, for it was only barely reported in the American mainstream media. There was no investigation by the WHO. There is no hue and cry over what amounted to a near disaster of academic proportions. Baxter Labs, whose CEO is an associate of Barack Obama, through the Council on Foreign Relations, weaponized a flu by mixing the H5N1 avian flu virus with a normal human virus. They then shipped this killer virus to be used as a flu vaccine to the Czech Republic, Slovenia, and Germany. Fortunately for the world, perhaps by God's own providence, the health officials in the Czech Republic tested the vaccine on ferrets before giving it to the general human population. Every ferret died. Therefore, the tainted flu vaccine was not injected into humans, who surely would have died and surely would have spread a biological weapon disguised as a vaccine, killing thousands or more throughout Europe. Now, friends, this occurred in March of 2009. No one seemed to be upset about this occurrence, which certainly could not have been an accident. If the foreign health agencies who received part of the killer vaccines from Baxter Labs before giving it to humans had not tested it on animals first, there would likely have been a worldwide outbreak of a killing flu, much like the Spanish flu of 1918. Did you know the Baxter Labs has been awarded a contract to make the vaccine for swine flu? 
Did you know that the U.S. military researchers at Fort Detrick, Maryland, have dug up, rebirthed, and weaponized the 1918 Spanish flu? Do you care? You will, friend, before the Lord comes back. You will care. In the 1930s and up to the 1950s, eugenicists in America, who were very influential among those who wished to control and enslave you, operated a program of sterilization sponsored by the federal government. Thousands of Americans were sterilized against their will. These people, these sterilizers, are still around. They're still influential with and among those who wish to enslave Christians. In fact, their philosophy is part and parcel of the philosophy of the controllers. One of them was Barack Obama's health czar. Friends, before the Lord comes back, it's very likely that America will adopt a one-child policy similar to that of communist China. Violation of the policy may result in forced sterilization, the loss of your other children, or execution for the crime of, listen, echo-terror. How do you think the genuine churches will respond to such evil? Will they object? Will they and their pastors rebuke the evil? Does a one-child policy violate God's first command to the race of mankind? Are you in tune enough with reality to understand that a one-child policy is merely a reflection of the war of Lucifer, Satan, the devil against the Almighty God? Will you obey a one-child policy if it comes to pass in America? What will your pastor counsel you to do? If you don't know, then friend, maybe you should find out. Before your heavenward flight, you'll see the advent of a form of national ID card, which you'll be required to display upon demand to any law enforcement, military, or government official. You will become increasingly more aware of the presence of military in law enforcement roles. By the way, that's a violation of the U.S. Constitution and the 1878 Posse Comitatus Act. Soon you will see and be detained by military-slash-police checkpoints as you drive. They'll wish to see your identification. They'll wish to ask you questions about where you're going, if you have guns in your car. They'll look into your car, inspecting the face of each occupant. Will this be intimidating to you? It's intended to be so. The military-slash-police personnel will tell you that what they are doing is merely precautionary actions to deter terrorism. In fact, the presence and use of these checkpoints, military and police working together, is to desensitize you to the time when there will be martial law, when your travel will be strictly and tightly controlled. These checkpoints erupted across America in 2009. They'll soon become commonplace, and you'll get used to them. You'll be told, possibly by your pastor, that if you have nothing to hide, you shouldn't worry about the checkpoints. What do you think about that, Christian? Is it positive freedom to submit to random checkpoint searches? Surely the U.S. Supreme Court may say it is, If this occurs, will you obey because it's the law? Does such overt control by a government portray any of the characteristics Paul warned Timothy of there in that passage that we read? A recent study by the federal government revealed that of all children incarcerated in juvenile justice centers, 12.6% of them 
are molested sexually during their incarceration. Here's what's worse. 80% of that 12.6% are molested by the employees of the juvenile justice centers, guards, officers, etc. What if you're arrested for being in possession of a King James Bible? and your children are taken to the local juvenile justice center for safekeeping. Can you imagine what might happen to them? Are you in touch enough with reality to think about it? Your government is allowing these atrocities to go on. It's even facilitating it, participating in it, encouraging it. Are you listening? Go back there and read 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 again. As the economy becomes disastrously worse, there'll be places where riots and civil unrest erupt. These will be the beginnings of much worse events to follow. It's very likely that racial hatred will play a large part in social unrest and civil disturbance all across the country. There are tens of millions of illegal aliens in this land. As the economy from which they have been sucking their livelihood spins down to disaster, They'll be incited by federal government provocateurs to rise up in armed and brutal attacks against the American people. There's much racial animosity in America. It's not so much white against black, however. Although, the would-be tyrants who run the government and their media lackeys have actively mined black-white hatred for many years. No, the racial animosity which is the most explosive, is between black and brown. The Negro race and the Latino race from below the border hate each other tremendously. Since many blacks and Latinos are congregated in the southern states, there will likely be great upsurges of racial war-making beginning in those states first. The federal, state, and local governments have already have plans in existence, written and promulgated as to how these situations will be handled. The Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, Homeland Security, and selected military units are already prepared to merge the local and state law enforcement elements into a seamless government-controlled response to such civil unrest when it occurs. The alien president's civilian corps will surely be called into action in these incidents. The government may utilize agents provocateur to incite civil unrest when it is to its advantage to do so. This practice has already been used by the federal government in selected locations such as Seattle and Denver and Pittsburgh and Missouri and you name it. When the current administration is successful at forming a civilian spy corps, it will be euphemistically named a community resource response team or something along that line. The combined and coordinated forces of Homeland Security, state and local law enforcement, and the internal military command known as NORTHCOM will be the ones with which Americans who are turned in by their neighbors will have to deal. You see, friends, before you go heavenward in the rapture, you may begin to see some of your fellow Americans accused of crimes of terror or intended terror. You may hear of some who are killed by Homeland Security, police, military, SWAT teams for resisting arrest. You may hear of some who just disappeared without a trace, 
their, quote, crimes, end of quote, such things as refusing to take mandatory vaccines, refusing to turn in their firearms, refusing to be psychologically tested by government psychologists, refusing to turn in their King James Bibles, expressing hate speech, hoarding food, raising a home garden without a license, worshiping without a license, expressing anti-government attitudes, denying the science of climate change, intimidating sodomites by calling them such, intimidating public officials by writing letters of complaint to them, disrupting public meetings by asking to be heard, complaining about taxes, proselyting in public places, refusing to enroll in government-mandated health programs, possessing vitamins and natural remedies in violation of international health regulations, refusing to take government or school-prescribed drugs, homeschooling their children, refusing Social Security numbers for their children, participating in home births, refusing to serve in the government national service programs, supporting government-prescribed groups such as the Gun Owners of America, hmm, refusing to give DNA samples at military police checkpoints. This is already occurring, friends. It's law in Texas. Traveling without proper papers and ID, possessing gold or silver, contemplating terroristic activities, and so on. Friends, when you see these things happening, what will you do? Hey, I got another question for you. What will your church do? What will your pastor counsel you to do? You should find out, shouldn't you? Or will you just ignore it? Individuals are not the only ones who will feel the wrath of the new order of things. Any nation or government which resists the one world movement will be classified as a rogue state and will be dealt with harshly. We already know about rogue states, do we not? President George W. Bush Jr. introduced us to the term, which he applied to nations and governments which, we were told, participated in terrorism or supported terrorists. Do you realize that the nation of Iraq, a rogue state, has suffered the total destruction of its infrastructure from our efforts to take democracy there? Over one million Iraqis have died as a direct result of our humanitarian program in that land. There are over 5 million orphans in Iraq, a nation with a population of only about 23 million. Yes, rogue states will continue to be terrorized through continual war. In the doublespeak of our government, lasting peace can only come to pass through continual war. In the future, probably before you're raptured off the earth, friend, you'll see the entrenched policy of how these rogue states are dealt with. It's likely that U.S. forces will become involved in a war in Central or South America soon. Hugo Chavez, the dictator of Venezuela, is a thorn, or I should say was a thorn in the side of the globalists, who wish to bring all of South America into the political orbit of the United States. It's likely that war between Venezuela and Colombia will trigger for a larger war against terror in that region. Will other sovereign nations in the Middle East experience the juggernaut of the global war on terror? Will Yemen be classed as a rogue state and invaded by U.S. troops 
supposedly acting on behalf of the United Nations. How about Iran? Do these things sound familiar? Friend, war has already been taken to Pakistan. As George Orwell predicted in his novel, 1984, continual war will be a part of the way of life in the totalitarian world which is planned for us. Friends, we're about the end of the first half of our broadcast. I want you to stay tuned for the second half of the Covenanters call as we begin or as we continue to share with you those things that you're going to face before things are over here and before the Lord returns for his church. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about it. But I want you to stay tuned for the Covenanters call. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Welcome back to the Covenanters Call. Sure love to hear from you this week. You can write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337 in Orleans, Indiana, and that zip is 47452. You can drop me an email, Pastor Mike at historicbaptists.net. That's historicbaptists with an S on the end, dot net. Or give us a phone call, the number 812-653-5578. And uh, we would certainly love to hear from you. Appreciate all the folks in the chat room tonight, about 10 of us in there. And uh, I see one that uh, I don't recognize, Mary Jo. Uh, welcome to the chat room. I know the others. I'm familiar with the others and, and know most of them by their real names. Uh, and uh, we're sure glad to have you in there. It's always an encouragement to see folks there. And there is a running conversation uh, taking place here in the American Voice Radio chat room. It's free. Uh, you should click on chat and uh, sign up and come on in there and and establish yourself as either as a a a a, a person that presents intelligent information or an anomaly and uh, you can just go right on in there. Let me encourage you uh, to be a supporter of American Voice Radio. You have that opportunity there on the main page of the website, and I know that uh, if you are interested and have a desire uh, to support such broadcasting. By the way. Uh, friends, you're not going to hear the kind of stuff on most other broadcasting networks uh, that you'll hear uh, here on American Voice Radio. Uh, I know for certain that um, across most pulpits, I'm not going to say all because I've got some good preacher friends out there that uh, preach uh, uh, straight down the line and keep their people uh, abreast of what's going on. You're not going to hear in most pulpits uh, what we're speaking uh, about this evening and have been speaking of for the last six or eight weeks and uh, I would encourage you, uh, friend, to take into consideration whether or not that place you are, that church that you're in, is a true, genuine church. Um, if you have questions about it, need some more input, then you simply uh, contact us, and we'd be glad to fill you in. Uh, I'm not going to take the time this evening because I've got to hurry on. But uh, if you would uh, simply read Matthew 24... Uh, you'll read there that Jesus verifies the idea uh, of continual war. Um, read Genesis chapter 6. 
friend, and now you'll understand that it was violence, which was pandemic throughout the pre-flood world, and which triggered God's final wrath upon it. Now, ask your pastor, friend, if he believes the United States is justified in its continual and escalating war on global terror. If he answers in the affirmative, ask him why he believes it. If he answers in the negative, ask him what American Christians should do to influence their government to cease and desist. You might be surprised at the answer he gives you. Yes, there will be a worldwide effort to confiscate all firearms. The broader plan will be justified because rogue states do exist, and it is they, we will be told, who are in the gun-running business, supporting terror across the globe. In the USA, sooner perhaps, there will be a prodigious effort by the government to pass laws outlawing certain firearms and certain ammunition. Then in quick succession, laws will be passed or interpreted to allow for confiscation of all firearms. Then other kinds of weapons, such as tasers and knives and explosive powder and dynamite and irritant sprays and so on. Before you leave here, friends, you may see great resistance to such government tyranny, excuse me, tyranny by many of your fellow Americans. Perhaps the government will use resistance to gun confiscation to implement martial law nationwide or simply in certain areas. There will be many Americans killed by one another. Military police and civilians will be killing one another over this issue of gun confiscation. Private mercenary armies like XE, by the way, that's formerly Blackwater, will be used to confiscate our firearms and kill us if we refuse to give them up, as they did in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. What will you do when this begins? What will your church do? What will your pastor do? counsel you to do. You ought to find out. You see, friends, since at least the 1930s, the federal government and complicit non-governmental organizations have been practicing scientific methods of indoctrination, manipulation, and mind control upon the American people. The American people have been brought to a state where they have and are being managed their ideas, their values, their morals, their beliefs, their politics, even their patriotism and their social activities have all been manipulated and programmed by these subtle managers of our culture. One researcher refers to this system of mass human management as the culture industry. Indeed, there are many facets to the culture industry. These facets may be wholly or partially given over to the task of manipulating Americans. Some do it because they were designed to do it from their inception, like the multi-layered DARPA and CIA disinformation programs and mind control programs, such as MKUltra. The media news organs, selected religious seminaries, training schools, multitudinous Front groups sponsored by tax-free trusts and foundations such as the Carnegie and the Ford and the Rockefeller Foundations. Others do it because they've been infiltrated by covert manipulators like the media in all its forms, the schools, the colleges, 
the universities, the churches, the military, all higher levels of industry, finance, and business. It was Bertrand Russell who pioneered and guided the early formation of the management of Americans back in the 30s and 40s. Today, it's so ingrained in our culture that to have it removed from us by some miracle would probably result in our society going into chaos. Russell also wrote and recommended that through diet and injections, the children of America could be so, America could be so mentally debilitated that they would never be able to refute what their teachers told them. Can you think with me about the diet of our children? What do they eat? What our kids eat is generically referred to as junk food. What does that mean? What's in the junk food that might debilitate their little bodies and brains? Can you think with me about the injections our children receive? If a child, beginning on the day of his birth in the local hospital and continuing throughout his public school career, counted all the injections he received, now for his own good health, mind you, he would count well over 100 different injections. Does anyone except maybe those behind the injection conspiracy really know and understand the danger to our kids from all the stuff that's shot into their bodies for the first 18 years of their lives? That doesn't even count the injections of stuff they receive in order to go to summer camp or church camp or take trips to Mexico and after they join the military. Friend, listen carefully. You have been and are being managed. You have been trained, conditioned, and indoctrinated through the use and applications of methods of mass psychology upon you by your own government and the organs it controls or influences in its endeavor to manage you. I'm not speaking of the government created by the U.S. Constitution of 1789. No, I'm speaking of the corrupt, satanic, bloodthirsty, murdering thugs, pedophiles, sodomites, and criminals who pose as our government. They and their controllers have slowly taken away and replaced our constitutional government over the years. What many Americans believe or think about sodomy and other perversions, gun control, carbon taxes, climate change, uh, perpetual war, religion, science, history, globalism, government control, racism, public nudity, marriage, family, education, patriotism, morality, and a host of other issues, has been prepackaged and pre-programmed into them through the manipulation of their minds, through TV sitcoms, talk shows, movies, documentaries, science shows, the churches, public schools, the military, the marketing and public relations industry, all at the request, urging, and coercion and financing of those global elite power brokers who indeed control what we think and what we believe. The characteristics of human society, which Paul warned Timothy of, are being engineered into us. And the great majority of us are not saved, born-again people. Therefore, most of us who are lost are more or less at the mercy of Lucifer, Satan, the devil, and his mind manipulators. It happens. 
It takes place in the mind, you know. People become, give over to those 19 evil ways of behaving first in their minds. Read Romans 12 and verse 2. Paul really meant it when he commanded Christians to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, you've got to recognize that the real power behind what has and is happening to you, friend, is Lucifer, Satan, the devil. He is the real usurper, not the men and women who work for him. Is he not as a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour? Do you believe that his scope of activity is limited to only one individual at a time? Does not God refer to him as the one who weakens the nations? Isaiah chapter 14. Since his greatest weapon is deception, would he not seek to deceive the nations in their minds? Might he not devour nations through deceiving them in their minds before he brings physical destruction upon them? Yes, this is how he operates. He has done it to America and to Americans. You are one of those, whether you realize it or not, friend, you are managed. It's been said that the best slave is the one who does not know that he's a slave. Americans are standing before the door to this kind of slavery. Those who would bring us to the new order of things, our new freedom, under the influence and guidance and power of Lucifer, Satan, the devil, are about to open the door and invite us through. Most of us will go through willingly without a whimper. This may occur before your rapture. What will you do? What will your church do? What will your pastor's counsel be? You should find out, friend. This study we've been doing, friends, describes what is known as a genuine church. It describes what are pseudo-churches. And it describes true, genuine churches and untrue, genuine churches. Surely, friend, as you've listened, you've evaluated your own church, trying to determine if it's a genuine church or not, trying to evaluate to what degree it's a true church, if it is genuine. If you have done these things, then one of the goals of this series has been achieved. A second reason for dealing with these issues is to get you to think about your church and how your church will conduct itself in these perilous last days before Jesus Christ returns for his churches. Since a church is only a collection of believers, then you must analyze what your church will do in these times by determining how the individual members will conduct themselves. Some are genuine Christians. Some are pseudo-Christians. That's pretenders, deceivers. Of those who are genuine, some are true and some are untrue. As far as Jesus Christ is concerned, it is the actions of the genuine Christians in your church, which he's interested in. It should be likewise with you. What will you? How will you and the fellow genuine Christians in your church do and conduct yourselves in the perilous days that are ahead? You will not be raptured off the face of the earth in order to keep you from persecution, in order to reward you for being faithful, in order to prevent bad things from happening to you or your church or your family. God will not whisk you away because he loves American Christians above all others, having a tender spot in his heart for them. He will not treat American Christians any differently 
than he has other faithful believers in other lands when the devil came against them. How do I know this? You see, I read the Bible, and I believe what it says. If God should have protected any people from peril, he should have protected his own chosen people, the Jews. But he did not. He allowed and is allowing them to experience the judgment equal to their rebellion against him. In fact, for nearly 2,000 years, they've been experiencing God's judgment for rejecting Messiah. And during the great tribula tribulation, excuse me, called the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the Jews alive on the earth will experience the worst and heaviest persecution ever known among them since their creation after Abraham. This is God's judgment upon their rebellion and wickedness. Should American Christians be spared God's judgment just because they're Americans? Such an idea, such preaching and teaching is gross pride and arrogant foolishness. It's the same false preaching and teaching which was rife among the Jews just before God's judgments were lowered on them. Peter says it in this way in 1 Peter 4.17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Listen to me very carefully, friends. God is now judging America. We Christians who live in America will feel the judgment. God will continue to judge America, and that judgment will become more grievous and deeper and heavier and more difficult to bear. While we live here in America and experience the judgment of God along with our fellow Americans, we can call it the beginning of judgment, as Peter alluded to. When Christ returns and takes his church away, then the rest of the judgment will fall. Peter refers to it as the end of God's judgment. That time, that end of God's judgment, is what we know as the tribulation period. But one of the beginning of God's judgment. How long will that last? How deep will it cut? How severe will be the perilous times of these last days? And take note with me this evening, dear Christian. Peter gives us a clear, not-to-be-misunderstood point of measure. He says that God's judgment must begin at the house of God. It must begin at God's house. Who is God's house? We Christians, even Christians in America, the churches, the genuine churches, the true and the untrue churches. We are God's house. And it is with us that the judgment will begin. It's upon us that the judgment will fall. Why? Because we deserve it. We fail just as ancient Israel failed in her assignment to be the light of the world. We American Christians have failed to be true to God and bear true witness to him. We fail to rebuke evil and expose wickedness in the land. We fail to cry aloud and spare not. We tolerated, then compromised, then accepted the iniquity of God-haters in the land that he gave us. God never changes not even for American Christians. The law of sowing and reaping still stands. The principle of that law is good for one person, for nations of people, and for specific people like American Christians. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. The genuine but untrue churches in America have mocked God. They continue to mock God when they arrogantly claim that they will not suffer his judgment, that he will take them away from perilous times and persecution. So the question remains, what will you do during the perilous times of the last days while you're still alive and present on the earth? What will your church do? Will you and your church do what we Christians should have been doing all along, or will you do what you have been doing for so long? Will you continue to tolerate, then compromise, then accept the iniquity of the God-haters? I think most Christian Americans will do exactly that. They will do it right up until the day Christ returns for the churches. Why do I think that? Because Jesus himself asked the rhetorical question in Luke 18, verses 7 and 8. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? What coming is Jesus referring to in this question? He's referring to the time when he'll come to claim his churches. I believe that's the time of the rapture. And there will be little faith on the earth at that time. Why? First, because most who claim to be Christians, even in America, are liars. They're false believers whose faith is now and will quickly be renounced in and during the time known as the falling away. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. The falling away is a time of great apostasy, a time when false Christians will denounce true Christianity, manifesting their false belief, and clinging instead to another false religion, the global religious system of the Antichrist. We are in the midst of that time now, the false religious system which the Antichrist will inherit and spread all over the globe is being formed before our eyes some of its preparers and premier preachers are people like Tony Blair, former Prime Minister of Great Britain, Al Gore, former Vice President of the United States, Rick Warren, Billy Graham, John Hagee, the Roman Catholic Pope, Marilyn Ferguson, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Benny Hinn, Desmond Tutu, and the Archbishop of Canterbury. Secondly, Jesus decries the fact that there will be little faith on the earth when he returns for his churches because most genuine churches will mostly be untrue, compromising, non-occupying, dried up, spiritually impotent, cowardly craven, fear-filled, hunkered down, powerless churches. They'll be this way because when they discover that the rapture did not come and take them away from the peril of the last days, from the judgment of God which begins at the house of God, American churches especially, they'll lose their faith, and it will dwindle away to nil. It will flee from them as water through their open hands. Yes, they'll drop it like a man drops a hot coal. They'll be, they will utterly refuse to contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. They will quake, and they will qu quail, and they will quit. A question was once asked, and I ask it again, American Christian. 
What will you and your church do during the time Paul described as perilous, during the last days, during these days, which surely are the beginning of the judgment of God upon America? Many of your cowardly pastors will preach to you the lie that you must obey the wicked God-hating government because it's God's will for you. Most of you will follow your hireling pastors into obeying wickedness for Jesus' sake. You will do this not because you have a conviction that what your phony pastor is preaching is true, but because you, like him, are nothing but a coward. That's right. You are. You will be afraid. You are and you will be scared to death of meeting death. You are apoplectic about the fact that you might be required by God to stand up for right and righteousness, to rebuke evil in the gate, to obey him rather than man, to proclaim no king but King Jesus. It scares you so much that you would rather cling to a lying cop-out even though in your heart of hearts you don't believe it. At least if you go down upon your knees and obey man, you may spare your worthless lives for a little longer. You are willing to live on your knees as a slave obeying wickedness rather than to die on your feet obeying God. Most of you are there, will be there, when the time comes to make a decision to honor God with your worthless physical lives. After all, how could you die for Christ? when you won't even live for him. Friends, this is the Covenanters Call. I appreciate you tuning into the broadcast this evening. We'd love to hear from you this week. You can write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337, Orleans, Indiana, 47452. Drop us an email, Pastor Mike at historicbaptists.net, or give us a phone call at number 812 Six five three five five seven eight. Don't forget about Family Camp. End of this month, more information, you can contact me here. Listen and stay tuned for more great programming here on American Voice Radio this evening. And uh, we trust that you'll tune in next Monday night, this particular time, for Contenders for the Faith broadcast. And then again on Tuesday night for the Covenanters call. It's been a privilege to be with you. I hear the pipes. It's my time to go. God bless you. Till we meet you again. Have a good evening.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. gentlemen frank tells me the music has just ended i wasn't able to hear the music i mean half the reason i tuned this program in frank is so i can listen to the music and now you're not even letting me letting me hear the opening bumper music i'm a guy i'm about to cry i thought it was because you'd like to talk to me no 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 it was because i like to hear the bumper music but in any case this is the american independence hour i'm alfred addisk and I am a man made in God's image as per Genesis 126 through 28. 
I am endowed by my Creator with certain unalienable rights, as per the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence, and I'm broadcasting from within the borders of the state of Texas, a member state of the perpetual union styled the United States of America. I won't bother to explain that much anymore. Um... There was one other thing I wanted to say, and I can't think of what it was, so I'll let that slide. Oh, we've got a bunch of topics to talk about tonight. Let's see where we are. Let's start with Planned Parenthood. Um, There's something from the Washington Examiner. And as you know, Planned Parenthood has received a great deal of criticism and antagonism and adversity in the last month or so. And it's because uh, they've released videos that show that they've been selling the bodies of the babies or portions of the bodies of babies that have been aborted. And more recently, we've even had a video. I didn't see it, but I've, I didn't even want to watch it. I didn't want to watch any of this. We've had a video of a baby whose heart was still beating after they cut the child apart. You know? And there was a woman who worked for Planned Parenthood, and she stepped forward. And she explained that at first she was horrified by what she saw, but after a while she got where she was laughing at the dead babies, just like the rest of them there at Planned Parenthood. And all I want to say, well, this isn't all I want to say, but first thing I want to say is Planned Parenthood are a bunch of monsters. You understand that? These are not decent people. These aren't good people. These are monsters who murder innocent babies. You know, one of the things I was, well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Here's the first thing, Planned Parenthood counter-protests from the Washington examiners, as if Planned Parenthood doesn't have enough problems. Here come the Satan worshipers, which according to this article, Satan worshipers launched a counter-protest against pro-lifers outside of Detroit uh, and Ferndale, Michigan, Planned Parenthood locations Saturday. This would probably be two weeks ago. Clad in black robes, the members of the Satanic Temple of Detroit drenched bound women with milk, simulating the waterboarding to illustrate the theocratic agenda imposed upon female bodies. The milk symbolized breast milk, one of the protest organizers explained on Facebook. I mean, the whole thing sounds bizarre, but my point is this. We have Satan worshipers standing up and defending Planned Parenthood. Now, if if the people of Planned Parenthood don't have enough trouble already, I'm sure they're sitting back and saying, oh, my God, just what we need, Satanists are defending what we're doing. I think what's going to happen, I think there's at least a high probability that before this is done, the government might defund Planned Parenthood. Um, we're going to see a reduction in abortion. The Satanist group uh, here in the article it says they attached a symbol to the to their temple, to the American flag, and held up a sign that read, "America is not a theocracy and forced motherhood." That's what they said. What I'm saying apparently is, but keep the sluts, right? You girls don't have to be mothers, but you can be sluts in in the view of the Satanists. Frank, do you have any comment you'd like to add about Planned Parenthood? Well, other than I agree with you, they're monsters. They're just a horrible group. And they, you know what's really bad? They, they, They cloth themselves in this 
oh, we're providing, you know, health care for women and we're providing this and that. Yeah. When really, you know, they're an abortion mill and that's all they are and that's what they're all about. And their founder was a eugenist monster. Uh, and, you know, any anybody out there that is, uh, I mean, you know, where is the black community leaders? Why aren't they up in arms about Planned Parenthood? Where's well, Jackson? Jackson? Where's Al Sharpton? Where are these people? I mean, because Planned Parenthood kills more black babies than anything. Oh, absolutely. I used to go to a black church on the south side of Dallas back about two years ago. And the minister there, I can't think of his first name, but Bowden was the last name. He spoke out against this. I mean, he was a good guy. Um, he, he was uh, in his own way somewhat radical, but he was a good guy, and he spoke out on this. And he was complaining that the problem that most of the Planned Parenthood facilities are located close to black communities. And he blamed it, blamed Planned Parenthood. He saw evidence of a conspiracy there to kill blacks. And he blamed Planned Parenthood for the fact that, according to some sources, over 50% of the babies that are conceived in the black community are aborted by their mothers. Right? Black women are allegedly, I've seen reports, the lowest I've seen is 30%, and I've seen other reports that are apparently credible that say 52, 53% of the children conceived in the black community are aborted by their New own York, mothers. New York City has more babies, black babies, aborted than born. So that would be over 50%. Yeah, I know. Right, that, that's, you know, that's right, this is, Yeah, you know... You know, there's a situation with the black community, and we'll get maybe into this further when we get into the You know, the funny thing is you got people out there saying black lives matter. Yeah, not to blacks, they don't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> They don't matter to blacks. When they say black lives matter, they want them to matter to white folk, all right? But they don't give if, if if sixty blacks shoot sixty blacks in Chicago uh, over Labor Day or over Fourth uh, of July weekend, no problem. Nobody's up in arms. Nobody's dem demonstrating about that. The black lives don't matter to blacks. If they mattered to blacks, they'd do something about the Planned Parenthood and the women that are murdering half the children that are conceived in the community. The truth of the matter is, black community is killing itself. It's destroying itself. Yeah. Right. They are in the midst of a kind of self-destruction where we can foresee, be a couple of generations, but we can foresee that the black community will have almost disappeared. You know, and then on the other hand, we have the demographics of the white, you know, uh, community, if you want to call it that, that, hey, <laughs> we are not producing enough babies yeah. to replenish our, our, our race. Uh, for whatever reasons, whether it's hormones, whether it's chemtrails, whether it's GMOs, you know, whether it's vaccinations, whatever it yeah, is, mostly choice uh, or or economics. Whatever. We're getting the same stuff. Blacks are getting the same stuff we are yeah. in terms of chemistry and the rest of that. They're not having a problem reproducing. They're aborting their children. We are not reproducing, but it goes to birth control, I think. Well, I think whatever the reason, though, it's happening. Yeah. And it's happening for whatever reason in the black community. So the black and the white communities are being quietly eradicated. Yeah. Meanwhile, you have Muslims and Mexicans breeding like rats. Yep. And, and you know, so it's like, and, and then you've got Jesse Jackson and the boys out there telling their community that they need to saddle up with the Mexicans. 
because Whitey's your enemy, and really, the blacks and the whites ought to get together and say, you know what? The blacks and the whites? Yeah, jigs up. Okay. Jigs up. We see what you're trying to do to us. You know, hey, you're trying to eradicate us. You know? Well, you know, the reality is they talk about we're going to have racial harmony. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can hear you laughing in the background. You've stepped away a little bit from the microphone. Yeah. (laughs) But I can still hear you laughing. I don't know if you tried to run to the... I don't know if you tried to suppress that laughter where we wouldn't hear it, but we heard it. Yeah, well, I just tried to... The truth of the matter is there has been racial animosity since time began. And the probability that we are going to live in a world where every race is just going to get along together is not particularly high. It's not impossible, but it's not high. Well, you know, it, it's, it, it depends to what degree you're talking about. I mean, we can maybe get to the point where we don't kill each other and maybe even get to the point where we don't kill each other and perhaps do business with each other. But I don't think, you know, as a whole, now there's always going to be exceptions, but as a whole... Uh, races don't really want to mix. I mean, well, they do. I, I don't agree with that, but I think they do to some degree want to mix, but that's the only way you get rid of the, the racial tension is when everybody's brown, then we won't have white and black or everybody's, sure. uh, you know, whatever color it is. But, you know, blacks or most American blacks on on average are probably about half white. Yeah. Yeah. At this point. But, yeah. I mean, what was pure black when they were brought in as slaves is now half black, which raises some really interesting questions as to who is black yeah. and how do you define who a black is. And there's some blacks that say, you white folk owe me 40 acres and a mule, okay? Get it from your white half or get 20 acres and a mule from your white half to give 20 acres and a mule to your black half, you know? Who is black? How do we define black? Some of the biggest racists I've ever run into are people who are clearly raised in the black culture. They are uh, something like an octoroon, maybe an eighth black. But they are predominantly white, but they've been raised in a black culture. Whites won't exactly let them in, and the blacks terrorize them for being mostly white. And they compensate by becoming virulent racists. And, oh, Whitey's doing this and Whitey's doing that. What Whitey's doing is subsidizing blacks. They claim about being, that they're being oppressed, but what's actually happening, they are being subsidized. We're carrying on them. And for what? Because their great-great-grandparents were slaves? What's that got to do with me? Well, I think that's PR, and I don't think that's what, you know, I, I think they... That's have been, where we see the moral foundation for this. Oh, yeah. as if there is a racial guilt that attaches to people. Because we are white, we're supposed to be paying people who are, because they are black, they're entitled to something from us. And what I'm saying, they're not entitled to damn nickel that they don't personally earn. Well, and, and the way I look at it is, I'm looking at this over the period of time they've been doing it. And okay, perhaps somewhere along the line it sounded like a good idea. 
well, affirmative action. Is well, that what we're talking about? Well, all of it. You know, affirmative action, the pr- uh, predominance in welfare, whatever. You know, the thing is... All right, you're saying in the 60s it might have made some sense. Well, or it sounded like a good idea. Because, okay, that sounds nice. Let's help these people and give them things, and that sounds really nice. Like, it's Christmas all the time. It's fun. It sounds great. But, okay, fine. Okay, uh... That was that was uh, what, how many years ago? Forty. Come on, Frank, sing along. <laughs> Mumbaya. Uh, there's a rule: no singing on the air, and I I, uh, I have to obey that. And the thing is, though, okay, now what? We've given it what? Fifty years? Sixty years? Two generations minimum. Seems like a, it was a fair try, you know. Okay, we gave this a That's shot. Cool. How, how long do we have to carry him? How's well? How? Hey, hey, you know, if it worked, it'd be one thing. How's this working out for anybody? I mean, even when you get a man in the White House who is at least half black, it's not enough. Somebody's still discriminating against the brothers and the sisters. The whites be oppressing the brothers and the sisters. Bullcrap. What the brothers and the sisters are doing is running into Martin Luther King's speech, and I have a dream speech. He said at one point, he said, I have a dream that one day my children will be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. Well, that That day day hasn't arrived. Yeah, you say it has or hasn't? Has not arrived yet. It has arrived. And blacks, or at least a lot of blacks, at least a third of the black community wants no part of it. Because Martin Luther King, what he said, I have a dream that so one day my children will be judged. Not just not what blacks want is don't judge me. I'm black. I can wear my pants down around my, my hips, put my hat on cockeyed and grab my groin. And, you know, roll over all my shoulders and glare at everybody because I'd be oppressed. And rob stores. I don't want to be judged, though. I just want everybody to put up with my BS. And rob stores and attack cops, and I shouldn't be shot. Kill each other. I shouldn't be shot for that, you know. And, well, the thing is, my point is, we gave this a try for 50, 60 years, and what it's, what it's produced is a few generations of people who are disabled okay this this idea has disabled them because all they can do they're not qualified for a job i mean what okay look we're going to stop welfare tomorrow great well what are all these people going to do well they get the money from the brothers and the sisters in the hood (laughs) the group where the blacks will support themselves instead of relying on whiteies oh yeah how uh that's the question (laughs) with what skills it wouldn't matter well, it's going to matter when there's no more food and there's no more nothing. And, uh, you know. It's going to matter a lot, but this, we're, we're getting to the unpleasant truth, the unpleasant question. The truth remains to be confirmed, but the unpleasant question. Are blacks, have they been diminished by this system of entitlements? Or are blacks fundamentally, on average, on average, not entirely, but on average, are they incapable of playing this game? That's I mean, the question that we're going to see, and we're going to face that question in this country over the course of the next several years. Well, we are, and there's going to be a lot of people that say both. I personally believe they've been disabled. Now, okay, that's not to say that the black race doesn't have strengths in areas that the white race doesn't and weaknesses in the area that whites are stronger. Of course that's true. That's like saying, well, you know... You got a Chihuahua and a Rottweiler. Well, they're both canines, but uh, obviously they have different skill sets. Yeah, and and it's the same for blacks and whites. Maybe not that 
that much difference as a yeah. Chihuahua and a Rottweiler, but it's it's the same. There's differences, and and just have to live with that. It's too bad, you know. You want to identify something else, doesn't change anything. But you know, the thing is, what are we going to do about it? I think the government is creating, and this is just okay. I got my tinfoil hat on, and I got my conspiracy book out. Good. Good. Okay. That's important. Don't want to be alleging any conspiracies unless they're recognized. <laughs> That's right. By the National Conspiracy, Conspiracy Association. Right. Right here. It's Officially, a, it's in the book. It's, it's number. In the book. What, what number? <laughs> it's number one thirty-four. Forty-two. Is that, this is high up there. This is. I think because it's been in here for a long time. I mean, Margaret Sanger. You know, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, you know, she was in there. So that was a while back. I think. They are creating a situation where along the line somewhere, somebody's going to say, well, you know, we got such problems, which they could easily create with the just the economic situation. Okay, look, we have real problems here. And, you know, we've got this group of people over here that really uh, is a big problem because they got no skills, they can't support themselves, they can't take care of themselves, and we can't take care of them anymore. So uh, they'll have to be killed. And you know how easy people go along? Well, I had no choice. There was nothing else we could do. We didn't have any other, you know, we had to. I mean, hey, it didn't happen that long ago. Happened in Germany. It's happened in Africa. It's happened all over the place. It happens all over the world where people decide, well, you know, we got such big problems. These people, there's just how to work out for the Indians in this country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's nothing. All right. Else and what about do. the Japanese during World War II? I mean, when things get peculiar, when people are sufficiently stressed, all right, you cannot count on what some people term their humanity. Yeah, or their Christian right? principles. Uh huh. There's a bunch of stuff, and there's a, and the point is, you need to watch and be careful of how much you're going to stress people. Now, the blacks are going to sit back and say the white folks have been stressing them. And I'm saying, no, I don't think we have. I think we've been subsidizing you. I think we've been carrying you. And I think what's happened is I am inclined to believe that blacks, on average, plenty of blacks are intelligent enough to compete. I get that. But a bunch of blacks are not. They ain't got game. And that's the problem. All right? Any more than I want to be center for the L.A. Lakers. And I can argue the reason I can't play center for the L.A. Lakers is because the blacks have taken control of the NBA and they won't let the white boy play basketball. Well, and that's why, because discrimination, discrimination, they be racist, racist, racist. And that's why I'm not center for the L.A. Lakers. It's not because I'm 70 years old. It's not because I can have a hard time running a basketball court end to end twice without an oxygen tank. No, it's because I'm discriminated against. That's a bunch of crap. I Everybody think you knows it. The LA and it's Lakers. the same. I think I should. I've been thinking about it <laughs> right now. I mean, I, yeah, I've been thinking about it. Maybe I'll get that one of these, but not right now. That yeah. will wait on that. I think I'll just. It's a lot easier just to complain about this to my yeah. congressman, yeah, there you and go. my senator, so and right. get them to promise we're going to have a we're going to have an affirmative action program for whites to play basketball. Boy, that'll be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then we'll have <laughs> another one for Mexicans and yeah. for I don't know who else. Uh, Chinese. We're going to have a Chinese center. Anyway, he might be. Oh, he might be tall, or he might be middle little short, slightly overweight, not tall enough guys. Well, that them too. Okay. How good. about women? And I'm in there. <laughs> wow. Why? Why? Why restrict this? Why restrict <laughs> affirmative action just to just to old white guys? <laughs> why not? Why not put affirmative action for women down too? 
I think they have that already. And the answer is the best players on average are black. That's the answer. And we want the best game we can get. We're not interested in watching a bunch of 70-year-old women (laughs) out playing basketball. It may be good exercise for them, but it's not going to draw a crowd. We want to see the best play. And I guarantee every black in the audience, if there are any, they're going to sit back and say, that's right. All right? We're better, we're better athletes. Well, maybe you are. All right? But it doesn't, it, the same, if it's true for being blacks being better athletes, it's equally possible, plausible, and apparently true that whites are more intelligent. And that's the problem. We have children being raised in the black community that are taught to hate whites. Why? Because mom and dad can't make it in this society. And they want to blame whitey. They say, it's a white man, be oppressed. That's why I can't make him money. I can't hold a job. It has nothing to do with the various like vices. I can't read. I can't yeah, right. speak It has nothing properly. to do with that because white people are oppressing. I got Bull no crap. manners. I, you know, I've been All raised by wolves. All white people wolf. are trying to do is get on with their lives and get out from under. We are tired of carrying blacks, and we would like someone to say, okay, you only got to carry us for another 20 years, and that's it. We're done. No more affirmative action after 20 years, five years, 10 years. Give us a well, list. But the know, way this is going, this is going to last for the next thousand years, given the opportunity. Well, that's true. And, and really, that, you know, there needs to be some sort of exit plan. Because you can't just say, okay, that's it. Because yeah. they're, they're not capable. Like you said, they ain't got game. Well, now, you know, you can, we can argue and say, well, okay, I believe it's a, it's a genetic thing. They just ain't got game because their skulls are thick and their brains are small. Uh, and I can argue, well, I think they ain't got game because they ain't got any education. They, you know, their schools stink and their neighborhoods are, are bad, you know, and their parents are broke and there's no dad in the house and, you know, all that. You know, I could argue I that. Either way, though, either way, at the end of the ain't day. Ain't got game. Doesn't matter why you don't have, yeah. you can't handle it. You know, yeah. there's the problem, and you can't. And it's not going to do to blame other people and say the reason I don't have a new Cadillac is because that white man be oppressing me. White man just trying to get the hell away from you. Well, and it has to get to a point where people say, "Look, it doesn't matter why. We just need to stop this, and we need to figure out a way to make that happen with a, with as little." disruption as possible well you know part of the deal is this i loved playing basketball when i was a kid <laughs> right i really did i think you I would have practice for hours against. on end i'd practice for hours on end after school out there shooting baskets shooting baskets but i was never very good at it right? as much as i loved it I, di- I ain't got game that's the truth of the matter so now what shall i put a gun to my head and pull shoot myself because i can't play basketball the same thing is true for blacks. There's things they can't do. There's things they can do, things they can't do. Because you can't do some things, does that mean you've got to put a gun to your head and pull the trigger? Effectively, that's what the black community is doing. They complain about all the oppression, but who is oppressing them more than each other? Who's shooting most blacks in this country? Fellow blacks. It's not whitey. It's the blacks that are shooting each other, dealing drugs, whatever, engaging in crime and robbery and the rest of that. The, the blacks are being oppressed by their own people. That's how this is going on. What I'm just trying to communicate is somewhere along the line, you have to accept the idea that even black folk aren't good enough, most of them, to play NBA ball. Now what? Shoot yourself or get a job you can do. 
Now, it's easily said, not, not necessarily easily done, especially in the way the world is right now. It's going to be harder and harder for everybody, including whites, to get and hang on to jobs. You know, I saw something back a month ago where they anticipated that China, one of the provinces of China that does the majority of industrial production for the country, at the time they were talking that they expected to replace 80% of their labor with robots by 2020. That's five years from now. Right? That means robots are cheaper than Chinese labor, not just cheaper than American labor. They're cheaper than Chinese labor. Which means who is going to have a job here in five years? Industrial jobs are gone. They're not coming back. They build a factory in this country, fine. What's going to be there? <laughs> Maybe some guards to patrol the perimeter, but the inside is going to be an automated box where you throw some metal in one end and a car comes out the other end and nobody knows what happens on the inside. Well, you know, you know that old saying, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should? This doesn't seem like, okay, look, I, initially I could see, well, gosh, we could save money. You know, yep. we can save a lot of money. Well, okay, so fine. So you you put you know uh, robots everywhere making everything and uh, making cars and making this and making that. Well, okay, so nobody has a job. Who's going to buy all these things? I know, I know. But the, from the perspective of the corporations, if General Motors sits back and says, "Well, we're not going to use all these robots because we want to keep an assembly line that provides jobs for the people." But as soon as Ford puts in, the, puts in the robots, they're going to be able to generate Ford vehicles for less money than General Motor vehicles. And all of a sudden, the public is going to say, well, give me that Ford. Mm -hmm. I want that cheap vehicle. It's as good as the one that's made with the assembly line, with the, the people on the assembly line, and it's cheaper. And it might even be better. It might even be more uniform and more. It might be a better product. Well, you know, I'm all for the free market, but... Isn't there a time when it is the place of the government to step in for the good of the nation? And this say, is a Look. tough call, though. But the point I'm getting to is this. It's going to be increasingly difficult for blacks. It's going to be increasingly difficult for anyone sure. who is poorly educated and unintelligent to function in the brave new world we're stumbling into. Well, the brave new world. You know what? It, uh, now, that's the easy thing to go, well, they're going to replace everybody with robots, and, uh, you know, where's manual labor going to be? There's not going to be anything for them. Well, the thing is, I was talking to somebody uh, who teaches uh, master-level courses for business, uh, business administration, you know, the, an MBA. These are classes you have to take to get your MBA, your master's in business administration. And he told me that, well, you know, really an MBA doesn't mean much anymore. Yeah. What does? I mean, this, is, he, a, this is a Is he saying you've degree. got to have a PhD? Is yeah. he saying you have to have a PhD? Well, yeah, that there's so many MBAs out there now that yeah. it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's just like a pre route Yeah, sure, you've got to have an MBA to apply, mm -hmm. right? Okay, like fine. Like you have to have a party hat to come to the birthday right. party or, or, or something like how that. how it no got to be with a high school diploma. Oh, you gotta have a high school. Yeah, well, who even asked you that? Have you? I've never had to show anybody my high school diplomas. Just write it down. You think they? Well, check? they you, don't you check GED, right? You know that? No, they figure. They figure. Look, if you can fill out an application, that's high school diploma enough. You know, and, and an MBA. Okay, maybe you got to show it to them. 
that's it. That's all it counts for. He said that, look, you, you know, it's just a, you just got to have one. That's all to get get an interview. But it doesn't get you a job anymore. It used yeah. to. used to be, hey, I got an MBA. Oh, hire him. Now it's like, well, okay, that'll get you, an, uh, you know, an interview. What does it prove? What does an advanced degree prove? Not much anymore, I guess. That's true. And I'll tell well, more or less. But one of the things it does prove is this. I think in terms of the... the uh, the uh, doctor jurisprudence that they give the attorneys when they go through law school. Get through college, you got four years of college, three more years of law school, you get a uh, doctor jurisprudence. All right? And now you are a licensed, now you can become a licensed thief. Right? <laughs> what liar. does it actually prove that they went through three years of law school? You can the, play the most game. people would say, that's exactly right. They can play the game without complaint. They didn't step out of line. We're talking about people who are 25 years old before they quit going to school. Now, you can look at it from one perspective and say this is evidence of great discipline. These people have disciplined themselves, and they've paid the price to get through a fantastic education. They've gone through college and graduated and got into law school and graduated. This is an accomplishment. Yes, it is. But there's another way to look at it. These people never had enough juice going through their bodies where they just decided, screw it, I'm out of here. I'm taking a trip around the world. I'm going to hitchhike down to South America or something. There is no passion here. I think the law school exam is designed to get the Mavericks out. Call them from the herd and make sure that the people that are left in law school are not inclined to step out of line. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying when no, I talk I about the juice? I'm talking about you have certain hormones going through your system and the rest of that sort of thing when you're in your teens and 20s where a lot of people, and I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it's a natural thing and it's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of people just, hey, I mean, the Fonz is the character that comes to mind whenever I think about this. Out of uh, happy days, and most of you may, may remember Henry Winkler playing the Fonz. Yep. That guy quit high school, right? But he remarks to the beat of his own drummer. Right? He was independent. The people who can go through 25 years, the first 25 years of their life without falling off the wagon, these are not marching to the beat of their own drummer. They are marching to the beat of somebody else's, somebody else's playing the drum, and they're marching to that beat. We could call and it I'm not Pied sure that Piper. that's something like that. You could call it Pavlov. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's if you don't start to salivate when they throw them, they turn on the light. If you don't start to salivate, you're fired. Yep. If you're not going to be a good little, uh, you know, a good little robot, uh, get out of here. And and the law school, I see that there. I've seen it for a long time. In my opinion, that the maverick lawyers and there's people out there that want to be good lawyers, but they don't want the system. Doesn't want them. Well, just like there's they don't want passionate. Them, you know, people want to be good doctors, but. That ain't happening much, because if you try to be a good doctor, well, you get, hey, we're yanking your license. You know, you, we're well, yeah, at, you, know, you try to, yeah, there's certain things that are not officially approved by the FDA. If they don't declare that that's a drug that you can give people, but this other stuff, these herbs, no, you can't give them that. You can't give them. Oh, it's know. even worse. Just because it works doesn't mean you, it's not been verified, so you can't use this. Oh, it's even worse than that. It's the AMA, a private organization, no, not a whole lot different than the Bar Association. Oh, I agree. That says, oh, no, we have a standard of care, and you didn't do the standard of care. 
Meaning, no. oh, cancer? Well, that means you radiate, you uh, poison, Chemical and you burn them. <laughs> you know, and, and, oh, what, you gave them herbs? I'm sorry. You, you know, we're going to have to have a hearing. There's no evidence because we have set up the rules to create evidence that the herbs will work on these people. You have to run tests that are going to take you years and years and millions of dollars to satisfy our tests. And the only people who can satisfy those tests are major corporations. <laughs> and those corporations aren't going to waste their time testing some product that anybody can grow in their backyard. Right. They're, going to, they're only going to test the products that they can get a patent on and make sure that they control or license the production of that product. And they can't do that with some of the products that allegedly work. And so they're not going to pay for it. So if you've got some doctor who's been working in his garage, essentially, and doing some of his own experiments, says, oh, my God, I've got a cure for cancer, he's going nowhere unless he can come up with the millions of dollars required to generate some kind of test. He's going to Mexico is where he's going. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. He's leaving this country. Yeah, and if he's really good, that even there he may be in danger. Right, that's true. Because now you know th- this whole new world order thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you got the FBI all over the world now. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I have a real problem with this whole federal jurisdiction thing, and, and where the limits are. I think you know we've talked a little about this. I think last week or maybe the week before, but I think one of the bases for this notion that federal jurisdiction extends into foreign countries. I think it goes to the use of Federal Reserve notes. I don't know what else it could be. I mean I can't that, figure it out either. It's the only thing that makes sense is crazy. <laughs> you know, that's a that real stretch in itself. But I, I just can't it's another one. It, you know. Check the conspiracy check the official conspiracy book. <laughs> See if that one's listed there or is it pending? I, I think it's pending. Conspiracy yeah, theory it's pending. pending. It's pending. Yeah, this one's pending because, man, I'll tell you. But I, it seems like a long stretch. But what else? What else could it be? I know. Everything and else given, is even a longer stretch. And given that the dollar has been the world reserve currency... There's a certain amount of official recognition to this. That dollar has unified the world and laid the foundation for globalism and even the New World Order in a way that what are the legal implications of those green pieces of paper? Do they only apply here in the United States or do they plug? They, if you're using those green pieces of paper, you're in the system, Bob. You come down and haul you away because you're nothing but a subject or at least a debtor at best. Well, yeah, a debtor for sure, and a debtor has no rights. That's right. You know, and uh, that that seems to be what's going on. Uh, you know, there was an article today, just uh, came out today uh, from Russia Today, that uh, Putin is, they are, in their little group, uh, you know, Russia, Belisarus, and you mm-hmm. know, they, they mm-hmm. list a bunch mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. They're dumping the dollar. And yeah. they, they say that, like, 50% of what they do they're using dollars for and he he just signed a bill saying no no more that's it because you know they made a good point it's like look it's not right that the the federal reserve d- determines how much a loaf of bread's going to cost in moscow i agree and they're going to they're bringing an end to that we know china's already you know they're in the news all the time about what they're doing 
No, it's, I mean, the whole value, the, the value of the dollar since 1971 became completely freed from gold, became a completely fiat currency. Um, the value is implied. It was became a petro became a petrodollar because it was implicitly backed by crude oil from the early 1970s on up until about 2000, and it still is to some degree. It's still the it's still a petro currency, although it's no longer the petro currency. Sure, it's backed by that, but it wasn't really backed by gold. Well, you had to have dollars to buy crude oil on the international market. And how how stable is that? I mean, all that takes is OPEC to say, hey, you know what? We changed our mind. We'll take anything now. Well, some of them are. Well, some well, of them are. at least some nations are. I mean, they started to take, uh, Iran, I believe, started taking gold. Uh, they've been swapping, they've been selling their crude oil for gold as people when they had the chance to do so. Um, it may be that part of the deal with Iran right now, the the nuclear deal, it may have more to do with whether Iran agrees to sell its its crude oil only for dollars. I think that's now, I've never heard that that's a part of the deal, but I'm just speculating. I'm going to say, you know, I'll bet you. Because if Iran went along with the program and said, okay, we're going to sell, we're going to put all our crude oil on the, mar- on the market, but we're only going to take dollars for it. Right. If I, that were the deal. I wouldn't take that bet because I think that's probably part of the deal. I can't I imagine. Wouldn't be surprised. Because everything else they've mentioned... The United States gets nothing. Okay, yep. <laughs> so they're, they're either colossally stupid, yeah. or they are the, the the Obama administration is bound and determined to destroy Israel, or at least cut them down a couple of notches. That might be what they're up to, or they are trying to protect the dollar by getting Iran to say, "Okay, we'll only sell our, our, our crude oil for dollars." Well, gee, now, if they could do that, that likely. would be. Well, I know which is more likely. I exactly. think the dollar is more likely because they they're getting pressure. They're getting big pressure from around the world. People are sick of the big bad fat bully. Yep. And uh you know, they're they're fixing to punch him in the nose here pretty yep. quick. Yeah. I think. Well, let's just suppose that Iran didn't go into an agreement with the United States and several other nations. Uh that might ultimately cause Iran to sell its crude oil for dollars rather than any other currency. What's going to happen to Iran? It's going to wind up siding with Russia. Yep. And the BRICS nations, it's going to wind up joining them, and they're going to start selling their crude oil for, for currencies. Who knows? They might be taking Brazilian reals or whatever they use for currency in Brazil. Or they could go the other way and side with China and start taking the uh, you know yuan or the renandi whatever they're gonna you know whatever mm-hmm. they're gonna use yeah. as the international thing because China sure could sure can use oil. Well, I understand. You know, yeah. They got a lot of factories and they don't have any well none to speak of their own oil reserves. They have coal if they care to use it enough where they can pollute. Yeah. The sky all the way over to California. <laughs> you probably get some trace up there in Oregon. You probably get some trace if you if you had pollution equipment where you're located. Well, you could probably if, find evidence of Chinese pollution there in Oregon where you are. That's if I could find it through the forest fire smoke. Mm. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, you know, I think that's a Chinese plot, so I don't realize they're polluting the air here. Yeah. Yeah. I read something today. Uh this is this is not a confirmed conspiracy. It's not even in the book, but it's just a rumored conspiracy that 
There's Russian troops in the forests starting fires. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's an interesting theory, but, you know, it's, <laughs> to my mind, stupid. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, how long do you suppose you can go out there and start fires in the forest before you get caught? Well, It's one thing if you're going to start one fire and move on and you got a place to go. But how do Russian troops, who presumably can't speak English without an accent, what are they going to do, masquerade as illegal aliens so nobody knows who they are? Yeah, and then winter's yeah, going to come, and they won't be able to start any fires, and then what? Yeah. You know? But, you know, I, people come up with all kinds of stuff on who's doing what. and uh, I, I, You know what? I'd be more apt to believe that the actual forest, forest fire fighters are starting fires rather than Russian troops, because they've been caught doing that in the past. So, you know. I think it's Smokey Bear. Yeah. Smokey the Bear, I think he's an Illuminati. Yeah. Yeah, and a Jesuit. Oh, wait a minute. That one's in the book. <laughs> that one's already done? See, I was trying to come up with a conspiracy theory that I could kind of patent. Well, hey. The, the, and anybody, the, the, if yeah. I could come up with a good conspiracy theory that hey. I could patent, that the, I could make some money off of. That's hey. my conspiracy theory. You've got to talk about it. The federal, unless, I, hey, unless you the pay fed, me a... You know. Federal jurisdiction uh, going uh, international through the Federal Reserve note. Uh, that's pending, so... Could have you know, that. that's, you could that's have that pending, one. and that one's got a shot. Yeah. All right, even if it's only a chance in 10, I think it's better than that. I won't say it's 50-50, but I'll bet you it's, you know, two, three chances out of 10, that might be correct. Well, I'm thinking it's way more than that uh, because there's something. Okay, there's obviously something. And what else? Yeah, I know. I mean, when I look and see, and I look... It's not just U.S. citizenship, because they try to enforce their will against people who aren't U.S. citizens, right. so far as I'm able to understand. Sure, in foreign countries. Yes. Against foreign people. It's like, well, yeah. wait a minute. Now, <laughs> uh, did anybody bother to even ask, like, oh, jurisdiction? Anybody? Uh, you know, I mean, there has to be something. Somebody must have said, well, what do you think you're doing here? You know, Eddie Kane uh, was arrested down in Panama now, probably 10 years ago. I remember that. Yeah. And I've been to his house on one occasion. I liked the guy. He was a good man. But he got crosswise. He was teaching the people how to avoid paying income tax and having success or apparent success with the, with the program that he was advocating. Um, Wesley Snipes got into it. And Wesley wound up doing time before this was all over. They put Wesley away to prove to the world if we can get Wesley, we can surely get the rest of you small potato operators. Right. And, uh, but Wesley Eddie's Snipes. there, and it's not clear that he's ever going to get out. And he was arrested without warrant down in Panama. They just went down and grabbed him. He was essentially kidnapped, if I understand this correctly. And what is the basis for this? I mean, we have to presume we at least give them the benefit of the doubt in assuming that there is a basis. It may be a secret implication of using Federal Reserve notes. You have a bank account denominated in U.S. dollars down in Panama. Well, then they can come get you if they want. Well, is that what now, it is? The, or is it nothing at all, and they're just a bunch of thugs? Well, And they don't need any pretext. Warrants, uh, badges, we don't need no stinking badges. Well, that's a that is a possibility. That, that is that's possibility? the next that's the next choice behind the Federal Reserve note. But 
Do you know that Panama's official currency is the U.S. dollar? Well, fine. You know, so that country's got a little problem there to begin with. I mean, it's like, that's your, really? That's your money? Panama? Yeah. Your official currency is the U.S. Federal Reserve note? Wow. Okay. Uh, you know, See, I think they were laying the foundation for the U.S. dollar to become the basis for for the new world order, and that was that that idea was shaken when Saddam Hussein back about 2000, he said, "I'm going to start selling Iraqi crude for currencies other than the dollar," and that, in my opinion, is the reason we invaded Iraq. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was just a currency. That was <laughs> you mess with the almighty dollar, you're going down. We'll hang you. Now, we'll catch you, we'll hang you, we'll bomb you, do whatever. You can't mess with the almighty dollar. No, I believe it was the foundation. If everybody's using dollars, then we have ourselves a new world order. If the dollar is losing status as world reserve currency, and it, and it is, it doesn't, it's not as strong as it was before, but it's still there. It's still mm -hmm. strongest one, but not the only one. If, if it's losing status, then where's the foundation for the new world order? They need a single global currency. I don't think they can put this thing together unless they have a single global currency. And they may have to do it a continent at a time, create a North American Union and use uh, whatever it was, that whatever currency was for Canada and tend to the United States and Mexico, get another one for South America and Europe and Africa and Asia and whatever, and eventually start combining them. But I think they've got to have a single one-world currency before they can have a one-world government. You would think, because, I mean, a one-world economy would have to be, I would think, first before a one-world government. But then again, you know, who knows? But, you know, the interesting thing about the Saddam Hussein and the money thing, because I, I really kind of looked into that because I found it really interesting, the whole Saddam Hussein thing, because, you know, he was put into power by the CIA in... Yep. Iraq, and this is not a secret, this isn't even, this doesn't even qualify as a conspiracy, it's just a fact, it's history, it's the way it is. And, and, well, what fun is that? I know, but... I mean, if you don't have any conspiracy theories, I mean, you're just going to talk about history? <laughs> but, <laughs> We're going to lose the audience. We've got to have a conspiracy maybe, theory maybe this will to hold do it. people's attention. Maybe this will do it, because, it, the, you know, the, the, and it's true that Saddam Hussein did that. But he didn't do it alone, because you see, at the time, Iraq was under a program called Oil for Food, and that program was administered by the United Nations. Uh, Kofi Annan and his and his and his kids, remember him? Yeah, they're undoubtedly billionaires now. The they thieves, yeah. Well, that should have been very very good for them. You see. Saddam Hussein went to them and said, hey, how's about you let me take euros for this instead of dollars? And they said, okay. See, so he didn't just go and do this by himself. He did this through a program that was being administered by the United Nations. Well, and what happened to Coffee and on? Well, I, I think his kid, you know, got indicted or something because his kid was really in, his kid was Coco Anon or something was in charge of the uh, he was in charge of that program. Nothing like a little nepotism, but I mean, hey, you know, it's the UN after all. Yeah, and and that's what went on. So you know, the UN had a hand in this. Oh, I'm sure. I, 
I wouldn't be surprised if some elements of the UN did, but ultimately this system, whoever was responsible for this, posed a mortal threat to the U.S. dollar. And in the end, Saddam Hussein won, even though he wound up being hanged. Yeah. He he posed a mortal threat to the dollar in that he opened the door to other currencies being accepted as payment for crude oil. And now it's just, yeah, you know, you can buy crude oil with almost any currency probably you want to use. You may have to do some negotiating and rest of it, but right now nobody's going to war. Nobody's going to be bombed into the Stone Age if they dare to use some currency other than dollars to purchase well, crude oil. But still, go ahead. Well, then there was Gaddafi. You know, he yeah, was taken out for the same reason. I mean, he was going to start another currency backed by gold. I understand. Can't have Which that. Did, uh-uh, uh-uh. I mean, one of the things I've learned, and I learned this back in the 1990s, because I was published in the magazine, The Anti-Shyster, and I was in a position I heard from people all over the country. I was kind of sitting at an elevated seat where I could see what was going on around the country. It doesn't mean I always understood what was going on, but I was pretty much aware of almost every strategy that was out there. Well, one of the things I learned, that probably understood by about 95, 96, was that you can do almost anything you want to do. And the government might come after you and they might not. If you want to sit back and conspire to assassinate the president, they might come get you. They might not come get you. It doesn't matter. Again, you can screw a new president into the White House like changing light bulbs. All right? One burns out, put another one in. No big deal. But if you messed with the money system in a meaningful way, you were going to prison. Right? It was the one thing they would defend to the last breath. Yep. And there were a bunch of people who tried it and they had comptroller warrants and they were and they had legal theories and the rest of the stuff that we can make our own money. If the Fed can do it, we can do it. They're a private entity, we're a private entity. They went through all kinds of arguments. They went to prison. Well, in almost every case. Just mm-hmm. people just people who did like a private banking thing. Like, okay, uh-huh. look, uh, you know, I've got a bank account. I've got all this, and you don't want bank accounts. So you can come through me, and I'll pay your bills, and I'll do this, and I'll do that. Now, that seems pretty simple, pretty non-criminal, right? Yeah, I don't well, see uh-uh. it. Go to, you're going to jail. Yeah. His name was uh, Flowers. His last name was Flowers. You know who got through without anywhere near as much trouble as I expected? Bernard Vanatos. Yeah, yeah. With With uh, his liberty dollars. He wound up only, I think he had six months before this was done. They dragged on for ten years in the courts or thereabouts, eight, ten years, I don't know how long. I believe he got only about six months in the slammer and several years on probation. And they're perhaps in the process of returning whatever gold and silver they stole from in the from him in the first place. See, I followed Norfed from almost its beginning. Yeah. And I never liked it. Uh, I, I thought it was a novel idea, and if people wanted to do it, fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But the way he went about it, I never liked it. And, and one thing I never liked about it was the fact that there was such a big, okay, look, I can go get a uh, a silver round, one ounce silver round for what? What is it now? Under 15 bucks, 15, 16 bucks, I can buy one? Yeah, if, there, if, you're, if you can get it for uh, just the, the price of silver on the market right now, yeah. Okay, 18 or 20 bucks, right? All right. 
Well, yeah. that same amount of silver would cost me 40, 50 bucks yeah. by getting his little silver coins, right? And I, I never, you know, it's kind of a, a different variation on these little chips of grams of gold on a credit card that you can get, yep. you know. I, I just, yep. I don't go in for that stuff. I mean, and I even got a couple of people paid me for stuff with these these little silver coins from Northbed, mm-hmm. you know, and and they were kind of they were kind of cool and novelty, you know, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. They might and, be worth a fortune one day. They'll look back and say, "What the heck is this?" Well, that's Norfed. Well, that's like Confederate money. Yeah, exactly. You no, know, <laughs> the South will rise again if they kept if you know. And I gotta full say, of grandpa's great grandfather's uh, uh, Confederate dollars. When things started going wrong for Nothouse there was when he started printing the Norfed paper money. That might be. That's when things started to... That that's be. when the hairy knuckles started coming down on him. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, oh, no you don't. Hey, look, you know, privately minting silver coins is one thing. There wasn't much trouble with that. That's probably correct. I think, you're, I think you've got... I think that's a, that's a very good insight. Well, I was watching it. It, yeah. You know, I was watching when, when you know, because this went on for quite a while where all they all they had was the coins, you know, and they were using the coins and it was kind of cool. And then, hey, well, why not? I could make I could go into business making rings out of gold. Right. Sell them for people for wedding rings or engagement rings or Super Bowl rings or whatever. I can do that. Why can't I make gold medallions? Sure. And then he had then they got together and they got they got this network of places that agreed. OK, fine. Yep. We will take these for, you know, goods and services. All right, great. You know, it's kind of like, uh, what is that city uh, that's doing that? There's a city that's doing that. Uh, oh, something dollars, something bucks, they call them. Uh, oh, I think it's up in New York State or something that they, they've got a whole... It'll probably be bombed. <laughs> Try to find out what it is. Get some photographs or whatever. You know, There'll be collectibles after the place is bombed the, by the The city Federal there Reserve. has gotten... Has gotten these businesses in the city, you know, probably through the Chamber of Commerce or whatever, to agree. Sure, we'll take those. You know, uh, we'll take these uh, whatever Rochester bucks or whatever they are, and mm-hmm. and we'll do that. You know, and Norfed did the same thing, and then with the coins. But then they started printing these these bills. Yep. And they were very colorful, really nice. I, I remember really seeing colorful. them. They yeah. were well done, and the they rest really of were really really nice. And a little uh, smaller though than the conventional dollar. Sure, and they said, well... Maybe two-thirds the size, if I had to guess. And they said that you could, you know, you can take these, you can send them into Norfolk, and you can get silver, you know, the, the yeah. silver coins for them. They're redeemable and all that, and you know, but that's when the trouble started. When they when they printed those, you know, and it didn't, of course, the trouble didn't start the day they did it, but after no, I know. a while, it, it started, that's when the trouble came, is like, no... Do you know what the essence, what the fundamental... What the foundation is for counterfeiting laws? I don't. I read in the United States Attorney's Manual, USAG or whatever the heck it was, I don't remember. It's a counter a copyright violation. <laughs> All right? That's what counterfeiting is. It's a violation of copyright, which means somebody has a copyright on those green pieces of paper in your pocket. Now, I'd like to know who that is. 
Yeah, me because too. it would tell us a whole bunch about who owns those green pieces of paper and who is perhaps reliable. And if you want to bring me in because I've got green pieces of paper in my pocket, then I think we need to bring in whoever owns the copyright on those green pieces of paper. They should be charged as a co-defendant. Yeah. Right? But the U.S. Attorney's Manual, uh, and I saw this oh, five years ago anyway. But they said it was a copyright violation. You know, it's funny, though. I mean, it's like, well, okay, how, you know, copyright at least has to be something looking similar, right? You know, so you got green pieces of paper that says Federal Reserve note and all that. Yep. Uh, I got orange pieces of paper that aren't even the same size that say all different things on them. Uh, and one of the things I think that got Norfed... They, in God we trust. They didn't say in God we trust. Yep. They said something about, they reworded it. It it meant the same as in God we trust, but they didn't say in God we trust. They reworded it because apparently that is a copywritten phrase. Or, or well, You know what I speculated on back, and I did this as... The best of my knowledge, I'm the first one to do it. And this goes back in, again, maybe 94, 95, 20 years ago, thereabouts. I speculated that when they say, in God we trust, mm -hmm. is that a statement or is that the name of a trust? All right? Hmm. You get it? it? Is it the, in God we trust? Or is it a statement that we trust in God? Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Is it the name of a trust? I could I could say, you know, the in, in God We Corporation. Yeah. I could start the In God We Corporation. I could name my corporation that. I wouldn't stand. They, I wouldn't stand near you, you know, because I'd be thinking the lightning would probably be coming pretty quick. But you no, know, you I could. understand. But it's, what can I tell you? <laughs> you could. I, it was just a thought. I didn't. But I wondered, and I don't know that it's true. Just pure. Look, you look in your official conspiracy guide. No, that one's not in there. But you know what? <laughs> that well, even that—that shit—that's another conspiracy right there. That could be They're keeping pending. my conspiracy out of the official conspiracy guide. <laughs> it could be, it could qualify as pending, though. I mean, because you know what? Anything like that is possible. I don't want yeah, to put anything past these people, and you know, and I know. Uh, yeah, although less and less people are calling me crazy these days, I think it's because you know. Prozac was invented or something. No, it's not that. It's you don't get out as much as you used to. Oh, okay. That maybe that. You know, you see less people, so yeah. less people call you crazy. Well, there you go. That could be yep. it. And uh, you know, but the thing is, you know, stuff like this, people go, "Oh, come on!" But you know what? Really, we are at the point where you cannot put anything past these people. Yeah, I know. They are capable of things that a normal person would have serious trouble imagining. What do you know about normal people? I've heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right up there with Bigfoot. I've read you books know, about... We've heard that there's normal people <laughs> walking through the woods, and they're not even starting fires. Yeah, I've heard I of mean, them. What, what kind of a crazy story is that? I have. I've read books about them. <laughs> they, they, I don't know if they still exist, but they, uh, like at the, one time they Either mythical or at least like the Neanderthals. They're gone. They're with the unicorn. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> that's what the normal people do. They ride unicorns. All right, let's move on here a little bit. I got another article from the AFP, which is Agency French Press, Agency France Press, but AFP from France. Pope tells priests to pardon women who have abortions. 
right? Now, this is interesting. Pope Francis, on Tuesday, called on priests to pardon women who have abortions during the upcoming Jubilee year, overruling hardline traditionalists within the Catholic Church. So if you ladies want to have an abortion during the Jubilee year, which is scheduled to start, I don't know when, but within the next few months, maybe in September, I don't know how he calculates this. I think it started You could today. get a pardon, a dispensation from the Catholic Church. You go in there and say you're sorry about that, and they'll say it's okay. Um, the Pope said, I have decided, notwithstanding anything to the contrary, to concede to all priests for the Jubilee year the discretion to absolve the sin of abortion uh, for those who have procured it and who with contrite hearts seek forgiveness. In a message outlining special measures for the Jubilee year starting in December, Francis said, Pope Francis said he knew that while, quote, abortion is experienced by some with superficial awareness, many others believe they have no other option. Now, he's not condoning abortion here, right? But he is saying that popes can forgive this. Uh-huh. Is this a good thing, a bad thing? Is it a necessary thing? What do you think about that? I mean, people can be forgiven for murder, in theory. All right, not necessarily by the Pope can, in theory, in the Catholic Church, you're guilty of certain crimes. You can be forgiven of other crimes. Uh, it's well, a situation, but it, it is strange. What do you think about it? It it well, I have I have some real core problems with the whole idea because, and it and it goes a hey, murder, abortion, whatever. Uh, the Pope, a man, is giving the priests more men the authority to for who cares if they forgive you or not. They're nobody. You could go get a bum or a drunk on the street and, and get him to forgive you and have the same amount of, uh, you know, value to it. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, these people are supposed to be, you know, religious. The Bible's supposed to count. They consider themselves Christians. Well, I don't think anywhere in the Bible it says, oh, wait, as a matter of fact, it says just the opposite about yeah. calling priests father and all this stuff. And, you know... The whole idea to go to a man for absolution and think that God's going to buy that, to me, is offensive. Well, in the Catholic Church, they presume that the Pope is the vicar of Christ, and when he speaks, he speaks with the authority of Christ and or God. And uh, therefore, if God says it's okay, it's okay. You know, I went to a... I, I actually was offered a meal, and I took it at a at a religious place in Long Beach, California, where these people worshipped the hand, the picture of the hands of some woman. Uh, needless to say, I didn't stay long. So, you know, just because they... Is she the one who cooked the meal? No, no. She was... These the, weren't the... This wasn't the hands of the cook, though. No, she was the queen of the uh, the cult, and, uh, you know, you didn't get to meet her. You just got to look at a picture of her hands. And, you know, my 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 point is... Yeah, okay, well, you can start a religion and believe anything you want, but that doesn't make it true, and the Bible has something else to say about it, and I'm going to believe that before I'm going to believe, you know, some guy with a nice hat and a funny car. Uh, sorry, you know, so I find the whole thing offensive, and and if I was a Catholic even, I would find it offensive on a different level, 
that, well, okay, look, we we know anybody can be forgiven of anything, but why make this... It's it's like making it a special protected class again. I understand that. You know, I mean, if you can be forgiven for abortion, if the Catholic Church says, okay, we forgive you for abortion, well, it means, all right, you murdered the baby. Now what? You do 20 Hail Marys and you're good to go? I mean, is that all the baby is worth? Well, and they There can... is an implied approval. There is, an... And even though I agree that people are entitled to forgiveness, and I'm not going to argue, I don't know what the answer is on this thing. People want forgiveness, they're entitled to forgiveness. I can, I'm not the guy to say who can or cannot be forgiven. Mm-hmm. But it's just a little bit astonishing that the Catholic Church, which has opposed abortion... And even birth control. Yeah, I understand that, is willing to forgive people who commit abortion. Well, now they forgive other sins. I get that. So there's a there's there's reason and rationality behind this, but still, from well, a that's, political perspective, it yeah. strikes me as this is strange. Well, and that's the part that, if I was a Catholic, would offend me, is the fact that look, we already forgive, you know, all sins. You know, the well, Bible. You know, you if can, you ask for forgiveness, you yeah. can be yeah, you can be forgiven for any sin other than blasphemy, the blasphemy. Holy Spirit. But yeah. the thing is, it's like, okay, why single this out? If it's already, look, it's kind of like, okay, the Constitution says, you know, uh, everybody's got the same rights under the law. Okay, everybody is protected equally under the law. Meaning, look, the rules apply to everybody. Everybody is protected. Whatever the law protects, it applies equally to everybody. But we're going to take you people... And we give you special, more protections. It's like, wait a minute, why is that necessary if we're all protected? Same thing, if, if look, if all sins can be forgiven, why is he singling out this one and saying, oh, well, we're going to make a special thing. It, was it before? Like yesterday or something, before he made this announcement? That you could be forgiven for, like, murdering your neighbor, but you couldn't be forgiven for murdering your baby? Yeah. Was that the well, rule? Well, certainly. Before? Well, the one thing about one of the points about it is it hasn't been forgivable by any previous pope, to my knowledge. Now, if we're going to accept the idea that the popes really are each one of them when he sits in that office, really is the vicar of Christ. He speaks with the authority of the Christ and/or God Himself. How is it that the previous incarnations of God, if we can call them that, for the popes? They said, no, this is not forgivable. And now this one says, yeah, it is. Does it mean the rest of the previous popes were infallible? Or does it mean the current pope is wrong? Well, you know, I think we should go ask the president of the Mormon church. Because every time they get a new president, they get a new set of rules. You know, so they got the basically the same game going on in their church. That you get a new head, he got different ideas. Hey, I speak for God. God changed his mind. Here you go. Although, here we go back to the Bible again, and it says God doesn't change his mind. Yeah, I know. You know, I'm going to stick with the Bible and, uh, you know, the Pope. Although, you know, this is going to be a very interesting time at the United Nations. I wasn't aware up until yesterday or the day before that, you know, every there are some big wheels coming to this 
United Nations meeting they're having. It's not, you know, the Pope got most of the press. Yeah. Oh, the Pope's coming to the U.N. Oh, boy, big deal, right? Yeah, well, he ain't the only one. Uh, the leader of China's coming. Putin's coming. The the uh, head of Saudi, Saudi Arabia's coming. Uh, you know, there's a lot of big wheels coming to this to this meeting. Uh, makes me wonder. I don't even know when the meeting is scheduled to take place. Do I you know? I think it's uh, September sixteenth. Okay. I think could be the seventeenth, but I think it's the sixteenth of September. Now that is interesting. Do you think they're coming there to be educated at the same time? Or are they all coming to make some singular announcement that's going to affect the whole world? See, that's where I'm leaning, but I don't know. But it could be either way. But I think, man, why are they, you know, oh, we're all going to hold hands and make an announcement. (laughs) Kumbaya, baby. Yeah, look at us get along. Kumbaya, and here comes a pink currency (laughs) for the whole world. Yeah, or something even worse, you know, who knows. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be I'm going to be watching it because uh it's going to be interesting cuz you know, the UN's been pretty quiet for a while. Which makes me wonder, are they just ineffective or what are they up to? Yeah, what are they up to? That's what I think about them because uh I've been I've been following the UN for a long time. One of my first uh uh I guess uh Oh, I, well, I don't know what you would call Your it. Your first acts conspiracy of, acts of, acts of They should have pictures, kind of like high school graduation <laughs> photo. <laughs> acts of civil Here's disobedience. Here's Frank with his first conspiracy theory. Yeah. It's like my first puppy, you know? <laughs> you know, but, no, I used to go to these things that we had in Medford here on UN Day where we'd go down, get a big barbecue pit, and burn UN flags, you know, and... At first, there were a lot of people, three, four hundred people. And believe me, in Medford, Oregon, that's a lot of people. Yeah. And and the TV stations would show up, and it was you know it was a pretty big deal. Yep. And then they started dwindling, and then they just stopped and haven't hadn't had anything like that for I don't know ten years around here. You know. So I've been watching the UN for quite a while, and I've read a lot of UN documents, and that's why I, you know my show I. Anytime I come up with, you know, hey, you know, like they're going to do this new, okay, everybody knows Agenda 21. Well, they're going to replace Agenda 21 with Agenda 2023, I think. That's what they're calling it, Agenda 2023. And uh, it's an expansion of Agenda 21. And, you know, I try to tell people, look, go, you got to go read these documents from the U.N., you know, because all this crazy talk about, hey, they want to depopulate the world. Hey, they want to kill three quarters of the population. Yeah. That sounds insane. Of course, it's insane. But you go look at their documents. I'm not making it up. This is their plan. If they yeah. call it an agenda. Well, that's another word for a plan. Yeah, I understand. We have a plan, and it's not just a. It's not a hypothesis. Oh no! It's like saying this is the. When we say this is the agenda, they're saying this is we're going to do one, then we're going to do two, then we're going to do three. We're not having a debate about the agenda. We can have a debate about the hypothesis and maybe some of the premises and so on. But when we're writing the agenda, we're saying, no, this is, we're going to do this one, then this one, then this one. This is there. They intend to do this, not talk about it, do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they, they, they're pretty detailed. This is yeah. what we want to do, and this is how we're going to go about doing it. Uh, and, you know, vaccines, uh, the, the GMO foods, it's all part of this. And, you know, when, when I read these documents, those were not issues. You know, GMO foods were mm-hmm. something, you know, that, that, that wasn't even, it, it, people didn't even know about it yet. Yep. And, you know, but when you read these documents, they talk about food supplies, controlling food supply. You know, at the mm-hmm. time, you're like, yeah, well, what does that mean? You know, I don't, I don't know. Okay, sure, you want to do that. Well, now we can see, okay, here's how you do go about that. Patenting food, patenting genes, pat, you know, you, you make genes that terminate after one thing. You've got to buy them from you. Oh, boy. Then you got Hillary Clinton up there saying, well, straight out, we will use food as a weapon. Uh, gee, you know, it's kind of like, well, it's like Bible prophecy. You know, maybe you read it 20, 30 years ago going, boy, I, I, I read this and it seems confusing and I just don't quite see how that could happen. Well, it looks a lot clearer now. You know, you can look and go, well, now I can actually see well, how that might that might actually happen. You know. And it probably, and that's just how it might happen, how it is happening as we speak. Right, right. All right? Again, we're not talking about something that might happen 20 or 50 years from now. We're talking about something that is being implemented as we speak. And one of the fundamental ideas behind this, we, have, we hear the stories about how they intend to, to reduce the population you know, enormously. 50%, 75%, whatever. Yeah. Right? Why shouldn't you do that? You know, we can sit back and say that's insane, that's crazy talk. But I guarantee the people that believe that find it to be rational and reasonable. And they can make a good case sure. that the world is being overrun by a bunch of people who don't have... <laughs> what do they do? What do they do besides eat, sleep, defecate, uh, procreate? What do they do? They can make the case reasonably that these are useless eaters and they need to be exterminated one way or another. And what is our defense against that reason? Well, you know, they're... Men created in the image of God, you don't have the right That's to That's exactly that. what it is. That's exactly what it is. And it's the only defense we have. You can look at Genesis 9, verse 6. And it says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. God made man. In the image of God, God made man. It's because we're made in God's image that murder is illegal. That's why. That's been the fundamental idea for several thousand years in Western society. We're made in God's image. That's why you can't kill a man. You can kill a cow, pigs, sheep, and goats. They're not made in God's image. We are. Murdering a man is a kind of blasphemy. Right? When you kill a man, you are killing an image of God. This is no small thing. But when they go ahead and say, well, we're going to kill three-quarters of the population or half the population or whatever, they necessarily are saying they don't believe that man is made in God's image. They reject that idea. Or if they accept it, then they're Satanists and they're saying, we're going to kill these images of God just to, you know, just to insult and offend God himself. Well, I think that that is the underlying spirit, uh, honestly, that drives these these people with this agenda. Uh, I could be wrong, but 
You know, because, yeah, okay, rationally thinking, you can say, well, look at the planet. I mean, look at all these people. I mean, look at what, they, what are they doing. Uh, they're just, like you say, useless eaters. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but how'd they get that way? You made them that way. The powers that be made them that way. They created a system that created these people this way. Yep. They made them that way, just like the black community. The black community could have been way, way better off. But no, we helped them. This is, you know, this is why it's like, you know. You know, that prior to, that after World War II and prior to 1964, the black community was actually closing the economic gap with the white community on its own. If 1964 and the onset of the civil rights movement, that's when the gap began to widen again. Prior to that, blacks, they had, there was segregation, but blacks had their own businesses. They had their own, uh, you know, they had their own grocery stores. Their they had the, their own economies on. and their own community and whatever. And they were closing the gap relative to whites until 1964. Government stepped in. We're here to help you. And now what? Well, do you think blacks don't own anything other than the, the only the only black business opportunity is dealing drugs? That's an exaggeration. Now, do you it's think, not true. But uh, do you think that that whole program of welfare and the idea associated with it that now why what what good intentions could you possibly have to say well? We'll give you money, we'll give you a house, we'll give you food stamps, we'll, we'll give you food stamps for your children, we'll give you your health care for them, but you cannot have a man in the house. That's right. What possible good intentions could you have coming up with a rule like that? I can't think of any. No, here, you can, there aren't any. And I, In fact, I, I don't remember if I wrote the article on this or not, but I did the research again back in the 90s. There are 44 verses in the Bible where the word fatherless appears. There's one verse in the Bible, some versions of the Bible, that uses the word motherless. Mm -hmm. They understood all the way back in Old Testament times that if you lose your mother, you had a problem. If you lose your, lost your father, you were in big trouble. And about 18 of the 44 verses where the word fatherless appears, there were a number of different varieties of what they meant, how they applied, but 18, it was the biggest, it was the plurality. It wasn't the majority, the plurality, if I'm using the terms correctly. It says, the prophets are speaking to the rich and the powerful, and they're saying, do not oppress the widows and the fatherless. And there are 18 verses that say that. Mm -hmm. And most people would read that and say, well, they're telling us, look, these, people, these women who don't have husbands and these children who don't have fathers, they already have enough trouble. Don't oppress them. Okay? That's the way it would seem to be. Mm -hmm. But you can look at it from another opinion, from another perspective. If you believe the Bible is true, you can sit back and say, hmm, what the Bible is telling us is that single women and fatherless children are easily oppressed. There is no one to defend them, and they are unable to defend themselves. And therefore, this is a formula, right? If you are bent on oppression, so I want to oppress these people, what do you want to do? 
You want to get the father out of the house. You want single women raising children without fathers. You want children being raised without fathers. They are easily oppressed. For whatever reason, they don't have the necessary self-respect to be able to stand up and defend themselves in a public situation. And it makes it that much easier. I want to oppress these people. Yeah. Hey, let's make them easily oppressed. Get rid of that father. Get him out of here. Well, and that's and what that's, they did by law. And Yeah, I know. I know, and they did it to the blacks. First thing they did, they, 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 well, we'll have welfare for blacks, but you've got to get the old black tomcat out the house. You yep. black women, can have, we're going to give you fair money. You can have all the children you want. We'll give you money for each one of the kids, but you can't keep a man around the house. Yep. And, and all they've done is create generations now. They've got a couple of generations in of black kids who don't know what a father is because they never had one. And none of their friends did, yeah. I understand that. Now, how do you learn to be a good father if you've never seen one? Well, you don't. The only thing, and what do the girls know? The men in their lives, the only thing they know about the men in their lives is that they have cocks, and they like to screw. They don't have a man in their life, a father, who is not bent on fornicating with them. I mean, once you take that man out of the house, you are, the boys, they don't know how to be fathers because they've never seen one. And the girls don't know how to value a man who's not trying to fornicate every 15 minutes. Well, and they really can't, you know, uh, I, the, you know, the relationship I've seen between daughters and their fathers is somebody to trust. And yeah. these girls have nobody to trust. I know. And, you know, they're going to go through life, and they're not going to trust any men. I understand that. And the men they hang around and with. And what, what does that mean? We now have they? a self-perpetuating system of girls who will get pregnant. And if they don't abort the babies, they're going to have the baby, but they're not going to have a man in their life. Right. Well, they Which means the next generation of children will also be easily oppressed. If the Bible is true... 18 out of 44 verses where the word fatherless appears, the, 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 the fatherless children are easily oppressed. They're not just easily oppressed as children. They will be easily oppressed throughout all of their lives. They will lack something in the nature of courage, self-respect. They will lack something that allows them to stand up and fight for what's right. They'll put up with oppression. Yeah, so, you know, they did this on purpose. So they It can't be an accident. So they've created all these people that they say, well, these are useless eaters, and everybody can see that, and uh, it makes sense to get rid of them. It's for mm -hmm. the good of all, and uh, oh, we're doing good them a favor. And, good of all who, though? Well, we're doing them a favor, too, because they got a miserable life anyway. You know, and, yeah, but you know the one question about this is who is supposedly going to benefit from the destruction of over half the people on the face of the earth? Who are the beneficiaries? Well, the so-called elite think they they will be, but I think they I think I've seen where at least according to some sources they want to reduce the world's population to 500 million. Right, right, right. Right? Well, I I mean that means, you know, you can go for days walking through the woods and you're not going to see you aren't going to see any people out there except the Russians trying to set fires. Yeah, you can go walking through cities and not see yep. anybody for, you know. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the whole thing is bizarre. 
Well, and and the thing is, it's like, what else could it? Okay, yeah. And then you look at, well, all right. So how does this benefit you again? You know, to do that, even the elite, how does that benefit you? Well, they're not going to have as much riffraff running around that they're going to have to take care of or arrange for welfare or put up with and whatever. But, I mean, we're talking $500 That means uh, something like one-fourteenth. They're planning on exterminating 13 out of the 14, out of every 14 people at this point in time. Well, I'm looking at And that means most of us are going to be, we are scheduled to be recycled. Sure. But I'm looking at it like, well, okay, so... You know, you got all this riffraff. You got all these. You created them. Now you got to get rid of them. And uh, you're going to have 500 million people. And that's going to be wonderful for you. And why? I don't know. But I start thinking, what if that's just all a big lie? What, what if the mean? elite are being deceived? You know, these people like Bill oh, Gates yeah. and these guys, they yeah. think they're they think they're on top. They think they got it going on. We got the plan. We're going to be it's going to be great. We get rid of all these people and all that, but get rid of all the dummies, people who don't even know how to program a computer. See, they they might, you know, because I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't know what Bill Gates's beliefs are, but his actions cer- certainly don't ring like he's a christian or anything no maybe he is who knows but it doesn't look like he is but hey you know the thing is they might not know that oh hey guess what satan hates us all including you i know (laughs) you know you're not you think you're gonna survive well you know it's like people who commit that are traitors in the past right when they when a government when a when a government uh, something like the Nazis, for example, invades a country and takes advantage of some people within the country who are willing to betray, act as traitors to their own people. Once they get in there, the traitors may think they're going to be in a superior position. But once the the Nazis or whoever, whatever fascists or invaders are coming in, one of the first things they supposedly do is exterminate the traitors. If you can't count, if the people that they live with can't can't count on their loyalty, then new people coming in can't count on it either. And the point is, the same thing might be true for the chosen 500 million who are supposedly are being assured, oh yeah, you're going to survive, you're going to be one of the, we're going to take care of you and of course your kids, you know. Oh, sure. But the rest of these morons, we're going to kill them. You will rule the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. You see, it's like a it's like a cop telling a snitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you just do this, do that, do the other thing. But when they're done with the snitch, they throw yeah, no. the wolves because they don't trust the snitch either. Sure. You know, I mean, it's I like hey, okay, and and that's the whole thing. You know, if the game is really truly spiritual. Oh yeah. Well. uh... Satan's intentions is to kill us all. That's right. Uh, Satan's intention, as I read it, is he wants to be the only living being in the universe. Right. All he wants is a universe composed of him and a mirror that he can look into and gaze on himself and uh, uh, in his vanity be the only one to remember. He doesn't want anybody around. God is the one who's looking for communion. Satan was looking for isolation, and that means you all got to go. Well, I think including his number one man. Sure, sure. Yeah, huh? Because the the from what I read, Satan is an envious, jealous creature. Vain and vain. Yeah, because 
obviously Satan was created before man. And I think when God created man, you know, hey, I really like this. You know, I this is this is great. And I think Satan just got hideously jealous and, you know, I got to kill. You know, because you've seen it with siblings. I mean, you can read some real horror stories about where, you know, uh, you got a kid. He's four years, five years old. Mom has a new baby. Five-year-old goes in and kills the kid in his crib because he's jealous, right? You hear it once in a while. Well, yeah. that's the kind of thing I envision going on with Satan, is that, you know, hey, wait a minute, I was the favorite, I was the only one, and it says so in the Bible, God, you know, Lucifer was beautiful, and this and that, and the other yeah, thing. And, the most beautiful angel, essentially. Sure. And um, uh, then here comes man. Wait a minute, new baby in the house, I'm not happy about this. Get rid of you it. Know, <laughs> I give you an opinion on why God is God, and you can tell me if you think this is true or false. <laughs> okay. Genesis 1.1, we've talked about it on this program before. It is legal title of the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right? And we understand this idea of the creator owns whatever it is he creates, and that idea is still here in our copyright laws and our patent laws. The inventor, the writer, the author, the creator of whatever, whatever is created, he owns absolute title to whatever he has created. God owns, by virtue of having created the heavens and the earth, he owns the whole thing. And he can do whatever he wants with it. It's the act of creation that makes God, God. And one of the reasons that strikes me as important is because Satan will never create anything. He will never be God. He can't be because he doesn't create, or at least so far as I know, he does not create. God alone. God is God because he created. Satan can't be God because he doesn't create things. Does that make any sense to you, or does that sense to... Well, it does, and it does, and, you know, because Satan is a destroyer. Yeah, and, I understand. You know, and that's like kind of, well, the opposite. And he has no right to destroy. God has the right. It's what, like with an automobile. You get title to your automobile. It's not perfect title. You only have an equitable title to use and operate the automobile, but you don't own it. And part of the evidence of that is that when the automobile is finally wore out and you want to dispose of it, you have to get a special permission from the state to dispose of your automobile, what you regard of as your automobile, by sending it off to the junkyard. You need and the reason this is important is because the the right of disposal travels with the legal title. Legal title to property includes the right of disposal. Equitable title is the right to use. I can use the house. I have a lease, whatever. I have equitable title, more or less, just to take this example, but I can't take the house apart. I can't destroy it because I don't own it. I don't have legal title. I only have equitable title. Use, possession, yes. Disposal, no. All right? Satan is disposing of things that he does not own, that he did not create. He is destroying things. It may be his fundamental crime against God. Well, yeah, but, you know, God has given Satan certain reign. Yeah, yeah go ahead. You know, but then again, God has also set the limits on some things like, uh, oh, gosh, Job. Okay, look, you can do, hey, do whatever you want to him, except you can't kill him. Yeah. You know, and Satan, you know, <laughs> did whatever, uh, you know, 
some terrible things, and uh, yeah. you know. But still, there was a limit by the owner. Yeah, you know, who says okay, and he can impose the limit on Satan because Satan is one of his creations. Well, yeah, at, least, I think that's at the time, and Satan, the right now, he doesn't want to be the created being. He wants to be number one. But I'm arguing that because unless and until Satan can create things, not illusions, not lies, right? But until he can actually create things, he can't be God. And that strikes me as an interesting argument. And you know, I won't tell you it's theologically correct, but I think, but it sounds. At least interesting to me, and maybe maybe credible. Satan can't be God. That's got to gall him. You understand? Oh, absolutely. I mean, from my perspective, of you know, if I were Satan, Satan, and I was sitting around, I'd be um, I'd be cussing all the time because I can't. Even if I won, I can't be God. That's it. That's it. And you know, that is it. And you know, I I agree. I mean, yeah, no, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of it's just kind of odd that there are people out there that you know they call themselves Satanists and they uh, they worship this created being. Uh, it's like worshiping the Pope. It's like worshiping any anything uh, any other creation. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, we hear that all the time. Well, you know, they worship the creation, not the creator. You know, I, I hear that yep. a lot about the American Indian, you know, because they, they Gaia, Mother Earth, and all that, you know, and they they uh, have animals that they, you know, I guess worship. And, you know, okay, they worship the creation, not the creator. Well, same thing with Satanists. You know, they worship the creation. Satan is yeah. the creation. Yeah. You know, God's creation, you know. And mm-hmm. he, you know, uh, but... There's something going on. There's some kind of spiritual warfare. Absolutely. Uh, he's a powerful creation, and he's causing a lot of trouble here. And, you know, we're going to have to deal with it. And I think we are dealing with it. And, you know, this U.N. Not thing, all of us. Not even a majority of us are in, you know, it's easy to say. I, I may be one of the ones that's not doing it right. Mm-hmm. But it appears that the good Lord has allowed Satan down here as a kind of testing mechanism to find out which one of us are for real and which ones are not. Well, Will we succumb to the temptations that Satan can offer us? Well, if we do, we're turning sense. our back on God, then God says, all right, we won't need you. Go down to shift you to a warmer climate, and it's not Florida. You understand? Yep. Next. You're, sin- yeah. you're fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, big time, big yeah. time. Yeah, you're fired. And fired when he up. says you're fired, it's not like... It's not like when Trump says you're fired. <laughs> right. I, that Trump says you just lost your job. When the good Lord says you're fired, it means uh oh. Yep. And and you know there's and, and uh, there's biblical examples of this that this is probably true because I mean like Job again. You know you look at Job. I mean that was a test. Yeah. Hey, Joe. Yeah, that was the my, whole business. They, you know, Joe's essentially... one of my faithful, and uh, saying, "Yeah, I used to be faithful because you're always doing things for him." Yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, things get tough. He'll change his mind. Oh yeah, yeah? go ahead. You do anything you want to him other than kill him. Let's see. You know, a test. Well, Joe passed. You know. Yeah, I get that, but it's you know, I mean, this is a tough. It's a tough book, in some regards. Job passed, and in his later life. 
He had more children to replace the ones that were killed, and he got more cows and pigs and goats and whatever else, livestock they would previously had, and he had even more later in life than he had originally before he was tested. Mm -hmm. But you got to sit back and point out that those kids are dead. His first children are gone. They were killed. They were destroyed in this in this contest. Mm-hmm. All right, that is rough, and it's hard to explain. And it's the sort of thing where you sit back, and some people are going to say, "How could God be so compassionless to let these children be killed on a bet with Satan?" Well, yeah, but we don't know where those children went. If they're well, having their better off, you know. I well, mean, not only that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but the other thing, in the context of eternity, if we accept the idea that there is eternal life for us, that's at least an option, and maybe a reality, right? If there is eternal life in that context, this life is a triviality. This life is, a, again, I've used this example a bunch of times in the past, but this life is like the nightmare you had when you were four or five years old and you went running down the hall to your mommy because the boogeyman was going to get you. You don't even remember that dream anymore today. But I doubt if there's anyone in the audience who didn't have that dream. Mm-hmm. Right? In the same sense, in the context of eternity, you're going to forget this life. It's no big deal. It's like snapping your fingers in the context of eternity. I was alive. I, 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 what, what, did, what did we do back then? I don't even remember. Did I write? Did I talk on radio? Did I dig ditches? I don't even remember anymore. Then my first wife, did she take the kids? You know, the things that can drive you nuts in this life can be forgotten in the context of eternity. And therefore, if you really believe that there is an eternal life, then the fact that the children disappeared from Job's life is interesting information, but it's not... It's not cruel in the way some people would imagine it. Sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, They're off in eternity. They're off in eternity right now. They're in a better place. No big deal. They're not holding a grudge. And plus, you know, we've got this underlying reality that regardless of, okay, the kids died, uh, this one died, that one died. Well, everybody dies. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like... You're avoiding it, or, oh, gosh, you know, boy, I was going to live forever, and now, look, I'm dead. You know, no, you weren't going to live forever anyway, you know, not in your body. Your body's going to die. So, okay, what really is the difference? Well, the difference is these kids did not die from old age. Right. They didn't die from natural causes. They died from a wager between Satan and God. Right. And in that wager, you can do whatever you want, but you can't kill Job. Right. All right, but it didn't say anything about Job's kids, so Satan said, fine, off with their heads. All right, let's see how he, let's see if that makes him mad. Um, there's a kind of cruelty incorporated in that, unless, depending on how you look at it, if you just see them in the context of this life, that's cruel business. Well, sure. In the context of eternity, it's another story. Right, and that is the main the main thing. If you just look at it in the context of just this life and that is taking it out of context you know you're you, if you do look at it that way you're taking it out of context you're going to get the wrong idea 
And and that's what it is. That's what happens when you take things out of context. You get the wrong idea. There's well, more perhaps initially, that. but sometimes you got to take them out of context and look at them, and you come up with a particular idea, and then you roll it around in the back of your mind a little more, and maybe it leaves you. That wrong idea will lead you to the right idea. So wait a second. Oh wait, now I get it. Now I get it. It wasn't. It wasn't. There wasn't a measure of cruelty and indifference to life there that. That you might have supposed from the first reading, there was, oh, in the context of eternity, no big deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you know what the first? Do, I, do you know what the oldest book in the Bible is? No. I've been told. I've seen. You know, I'm not a Bible scholar and the rest of it, but I've seen contention that Job is actually the oldest book in the Bible. Okay. And historically, it was written before Genesis and so on. And that's kind of interesting because it gives us a clue to how God was regarded by people even before they wrote Genesis. They seem as all-powerful and loving for some, you know, but willing to, you know, gamble with Lucifer on whether somebody is going to stay faithful and you know, is whether faith is sincere or whether, but in any case, testing, testing, one, two, three is taking place. Thing is, you know, when you talk about gambling with God, that's like saying I'm going to gamble with Vince McMahon about who's going to win the WWE wrestling match. You know, he owns the WWE uh it's probably not a good idea for me to wager against him. You mean it'd be kind of like wagering against Janet Yellen? Yeah. Or what's going to happen yeah. at the next meeting of the Federal Reserve? Yeah, yeah because, you know, if like you're that. in control of what, and you already know what's going to go on, uh, it's kind of stupid for me to bet against you, isn't it? Yeah. You, know? Uh, and, you know, so Satan, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what, blinded by envy and jealousy or just stupid or what. I, I don't get it. You know, because it's like, come on, man! Don't you know who you're dealing with? Yeah, I know. There is a there is a kind of stupidity that's inherent in Satan. All right. I mean, what you would think is perhaps common sense. How smart do you have to be? You say, oh, that guy over there, that's God. Okay, I get it. I'm not going to say anything stupid. I'm not going to insult him. I'm not going to challenge him to an arm wrestling contest. <laughs> yeah. You understand? Yeah. I get it. He's God. I'm not. <laughs> but not Satan. No. Satan's arrogance and his vanity, he said, I don't care if he's God. I'm still, I'm still, you know, look mirror, at me. mirror on the wall. Just Who's the fairest of them all? Yeah, exactly. look at me. Just look yeah. at me. I yeah. mean, this is, this is, <laughs> you know, there's a stupidity here. You yeah. can't arm wrestle with God. Yeah. yeah and it's... Satan doesn't get that. He's, oh, yes, I can. Oh, yes, I can. Yeah. I mean, it's dumb. By definition, you can't do it with God. It's, it's, uh, so. Now you got to wonder, well, is this all for our benefit? You know, I mean, is this all for our testing, for our benefit, for our, you know, uh, what, training to the next, uh, you know, afterlife or what? Is this, is this for us or what? <laughs> you know, because uh, God created Satan. So, you know, God knows what Satan's all about. But, you know, but does he know what you and I are about? I mean, there's where this gets really interesting. 
Why does God have to test us if he created us? But as the creator, he should know. He should know whether you are, whether you tend to be an honorable man or a dishonorable man or you're a liar or a cheater or a killer or whatever else. Um, He don't know that. He created you. And yet it appears we need to be, we need to be tested in a way where we have an opportunity to choose whether to behave in a way that is godly, righteous, or whether we want to behave in a way that is unrighteous. And depending on our choice, we will be rewarded and or punished. Now, that indicates that there's something extraordinary about every one of us. All of mankind is extraordinary in a way where, even though God may know what's going on for all time, past and future, there is something about us that he doesn't know and he can't predict and that we have an opportunity to choose in a way that he doesn't necessarily control and maybe can't even predict. And that means, I mean, we are far more special than most people can imagine or believe. There's something going on in every one of us, you know. Well, that, and we get to choose. Awesome. We have a kind of life that's not just, not just the creation in the sense of being a little robot. Wind us up and we go in a particular direction. We have an opportunity to choose what kind of robot we're going to be. Going to be a righteous robot or an unrighteous robot? Well, a I, righteous creation and an unrighteous creation. It's your choice. It's not precisely your destiny or your nature. It is somehow your choice. And there's something extraordinary in that. Well, that's true, but, uh, you know, God, while he may know, like with Job, hey, go ahead. You know, he knew. Job's Job's got this. You know, he may know, but, you know, we don't know. Well, I agree with that. It's all for us to get to know. Maybe we need to know whether we need to know in our own mind. Am I for real? Right, exactly. Because one thing I've learned in life is people can tell you things. And you can believe them. And you can go, okay, I, I believe Especially that. Especially if they're on the Internet. Well, yeah, well, only, you know, but right. you can't believe real people. But, you know, you can believe them and you can say, well, I believe that. You know, I, you told me something and I believe it. But you know what? When you really know it is when it happens to you. When you live it, when it's you, when it happens to you, that's something you know now. You don't yep. believe it. You know it. You know what happened. You were there. It happened to you. You don't have to have anybody tell you about it. You well, know. one other thing. You know who you are. Right. All right? It's not just you know what happened. It's through these experiences that you discover who you really are. Yep. And it may be that some of us discover, I'm not a fraud. I'm not a hypocrite. I really am a righteous man, at least in sometimes. Some of us may come to that. Others may sit back and they find themselves admitting, I really am a sinner. Mm. I really am unrighteous. I really am wicked. In which case, when the time comes for judgment, maybe you'll be called on to judge yourself. Isn't God who's going to send you to heaven or to hell? Maybe it's you who will be forced to admit, just, hey, you know, yeah, I was actually kind of a righteous guy, or 
No, it was wicked all along. And if so, here's the here's the, here's the down here's the step downward. Well, yeah, and there's even you know, and there's even traps within that because you know the Bible says, hey, everybody's a sinner, everybody's sinned. You're all yeah, that's sinners. right. Your heart is wicked, wicked, yeah. continuously yeah. evil. You know, and we gotta we gotta take we gotta get a grip on that. We gotta we gotta grasp that. And say, well, you know what? Uh, I can look at my life. I can look at what I think. I can look at what you know goes through my mind, and I can say, yeah, you know what? I can see that. But we gotta deal with it. You can't just like say, you know, and some people go, well, you know, we're saved by grace, so you can go ahead and that's a license to sin and this and that and the other thing. But I don't think so. I think what it is, we gotta get a grip on. Okay, this is this is the reality of it, and. We've got to deal with that. Everybody wants to do things, but, you know, you've got to be, okay, like civilized. Maybe I'm at a party and somebody says something, and I just want to punch that guy right in the face. But, you know, generally speaking, you you're going to be civilized, you don't want and to you're going to wait outside in the bushes <laughs> until he comes out. Yeah, but you know, you just you say, you know what? I want to do that, but I'm I, I I'm not gonna because, hey, it's not civilized. It's not it's not accepted. It'd be wrong. Okay, it'd be well, wrong to do that. Well, where are you going with this? Besides, and I think you're right. Is the idea you're right? We are all sinners, at least to start with, and it's not just a choice between righteousness and unrighteousness. It's a choice of whether you're going to believe in the Messiah or you're not going to believe in the Messiah. Right. That's what the Bible, or at least the New Testament, ultimately says. Do you choose to believe in the Messiah? And if you did, that's, that's the big choice. If you got it, fine. You believe in him, you're good to go. If you don't believe in him, you got a problem. Um, you well, know what I, th- I and that think? Thing, and I think if you, if, you, if you do believe, then you can deal with the... You can accept the fact and go, you know what, that... Right, man. You know we're not good. We're not inherently good. We're we're inherently bad. We want to do bad things. We have to have self control not to. Look at people who don't have self control. Well, I know. <laughs> they do real bad things all the time. I read a book. Um, well, one point in time when I was actually in the slammer for 344 days, never been charged with a crime, never been convicted of a crime. But I did spend 344 days in a level 5 maximum security jail. And while I was there, and I had no doubt that the good Lord had put me there. I never thought I was going to be there most of a year. I thought I was going to be there 10 days or something like that. But it turned out I was there most of a year. It didn't bother me. But while I was there, I read a book on just a novel. And it's a detective story. And somebody's talking to the detective, and the detective explains what is the fundamental reason I think he listed a couple of fundamental reasons why people go to prison. But the number one point, the one number one reason people went to prison was having an impulsive nature. Yeah. Right? They just hauled off, in your example, they felt like punching this guy, and they did punch him. They felt like grabbing a carton of cigarettes and sticking it under their coat, and they took it right then. No planning, no preparation. This wasn't premeditated crimes. It might be murder, but it was not premeditated. It was impulsive. And because it's impulsive, you can't. It, they're easy to catch. Mm-hmm. When you do things impulsively, it's easy to put these people in prison. Now, if you're going to deal with somebody in white-collar crime, 
who sits down and thinks, let's see, first do this, then we do this, then we do this, and he lays out a plan to commit his crime. Very difficult for the police to catch this guy. He's probably not going to prison because he did not act impulsively. One of the things I saw while I was in that jail is there are a lot of people there that weren't bad people in the sense of being evil, wicked. There were a couple that were, in my opinion. But most of them, they were just impulsive. That's what puts you in the slammer. If you can't control your impulsive nature, you are going to prison. That's the strong probability. And what does the government teach us? To be a now person, to be impulsive, to be spontaneous. Go with your feelings. Yeah, yeah, if it feels good, do it. All of which is conducive to an impulsive nature, all of which is conducive to a prison industrial (laughs) complex where they've got a lot of squirrels making those hamster wheels spin, spin, spin. Hey, Al, we're running out of time, and I wanted you to know, I did, I do have this, this video clip. Okay. Well, we'll leave it, we'll leave it okay. for the next program. All right. Well, then we got I'll a video. Yeah, we'll save it for the next program. And, uh, all right. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, are we going to? No, I just, no, I just, we got a few minutes. I just wanted to let you know if you wanted me to play it. We, we no, we want to talk about it. Okay, I want to yeah. talk about it after it gets played, and you can listen to it. I don't think you've listened. You no, I didn't know what it. it was until I actually got it to open up, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then I see it's Farrakhan, and I'm like, yeah, right. oh. You see, I always refer to him as Louis Farrakhan, the lunatic. Yeah, well, you'll like this one. <laughs> you know, that's this one is really, this is something where, I mean, this guy makes you and me look sane. Yeah, I know. Do you understand that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the government came down and said... Don't listen to that guy, Ask. Don't listen to Frank. These people are crazy. <laughs> they have to sit back and you bring Farrakhan into the mix. They're going to say, well, actually, yeah. Addisk and Frank, they're not, they're not that goofy. Okay, we're, moving, this the, guy, we're moving the bar here. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have to adjust He's right here. off the wall. Yeah, he's, I've, I've watched some stuff. I haven't seen this one yet, but I can imagine by the seen, title. You may have seen it elsewhere. This is an excerpt from a longer presentation. It's only about two and a half minutes long. Oh, I've, I've pretty much recently, like the last year or two, avoided watching anything of him because he just he tends to make me angry. Well, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And what really gets me, we'll get into it again one of this next week, but you watch people cheering him from the audience and their sense of righteous rage. Yeah, and yeah. Encouraging this. And I'm saying, look, you haven't been wronged. Well, As hey. again, uh, Martin Luther King, I have a dream. One day my children will be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. Well, people if that's the case, then there's a lot of people going to, to jail. Judge by the color of their skin. They don't want to be judged by the content of their character. No, right now, they're going to jail. Well, that's that's what or killing each other, robbing each other, or murdering their own kids. I mean, the whole thing is, I mean, the blacks, uh, you know. Well, the black community. They've has, made mistakes that are spectacular, yeah. and the biggest one is they insist on blaming Whitey for all their troubles. Yeah, yeah, the one paying the bills. Whitey's just standing on the sidewalk. Paying side the bills. Side. Yeah. Yeah, many of them. You know, I mean, somebody's got to sit back and effectively call a spade a spade and say, look, I am responsible for, responsible for most of my own problems. They're really my fault. 
I was at least complicit. I've had problems that I'd like to blame on other people, but I was complicit in those problems, if only because I was dumb enough to have them. Okay, I admit it. Most of the problems in my life I've caused for myself. I I have to admit it. But I just, the, the, the problem is that while I was causing these problems for myself, how come I didn't cause any problems for these other idiots? <laughs> How about right. that? If I can well, cause so much trouble for myself, what about the rest of these people? How it. can I get even? Well, you know, they've right. got the, the black community has Louis Farrakhan, but at least we have Donald Trump. Yeah, I know. So there you thank, go. Yeah, right. So it's uh, the great white hope. <laughs> all right. It's a funny Folks, world. I want to thank all of you for listening. We're out of time. I'm Alfred Adisk here with Frank Stefan on the American Independence Hour. We'll be back Next Tuesday, in the meantime, the good Lord bless you and me and Frank. Good night. is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold 
gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on... 